Attention. This podcast will make you happy, make you sad, believe and make you mad, but they're sure to make you feel included. The things they talk about are completely random. It's Storytime with Matthew Haslam Hammond. Welcome everybody to Storytime with Matthew Haslam Hammond, the podcast where you, the member of the general public, will get up and tell your story. Why? Because everybody has a story. Um, like always, this podcast is sponsored by the Pass to Assist Pod. Follow Callum, Jack, Carl and Doug as they discuss basketball. Why? Because they like basketball and it's there for all your basketballing needs. Uh, today's guest basically is a head honcho at uh, Dropkicks Pro Wrestling School. Uh, he's also a pro wrestler himself. Um, he's the fabulous one. Please welcome everybody, Lucas Jackson. So Lucas Jackson, welcome to the show. How are you today, buddy? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good, man. How are you? I I can't complain. You know, uh, you're you're the first black person I've had on the show, so uh, you know we, yeah, yeah. we we've done Token. it. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I'm actually you know really excited about this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, Black History Month was two months ago though, wasn't it? It was October, wasn't it? So you're a bit late to the party with this. <laughs> if you wanted, <laughs> well, wait to point the flaws out on my damn show, man. <laughs> No, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Long time, long time no see to you as well. So yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, we 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 like you know we we had some good laughs you know back in you know, you know training and things like that. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. We'll get yeah, onto that like, in a bit, but you know it's, it, it has been a while. Like it, like I'll, I'll explain why you know uh, what happened with us and you know why we didn't come back. But anyway, Lucas, where did you grow up? Um, I was born in um, South London. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was born in Greenwich Hospital. Um, been and I lived in uh, Deptford, which is just over the bridge. Um, and yeah, grew up here basically. Um, so South London boy, kind of, <laughs> you know, through and through. Mm. Um, love South London to be fair. Um, as much as it's been gentrified now, there's still these nice little hidden pockets from my childhood that I constantly kind of see. And you know, you, you see a place and you just remember you know, your whole kind of year, or your whole summer, you know, there's loads of places like that around here, so it means a lot to me being from South London. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a very, very busy place, very uh, multicultural, very, you know, lots of, lots of stuff going on here, so yeah, I've always loved being there. Yeah. Was uh, was like, you know, growing up in school, was that all good there as well, or? Um... Um, look, I had my fair share of troubles, like, obviously, I think something which, you know, I think, uh, schools are better at now mm-hmm. is uh, diagnosing or helping kids that have problems or whatever and a lot of, lot of kind of issues going through school and um, it was just of that era of like well you know it's either you do the work because you can do it or if you can't do the work then you're basically dumb or you know silly or whatever it might be and you know I went through a lot especially in secondary school I think like where you know in terms of my identity as a, as a person um you know, this this gets thrown around quite a lot by people now. But like, you know, you know, growing up and learning that I was obviously a gay guy, and in South London at the time, and like I went to not, not like you know I didn't, I didn't you know I don't want to say I went to like a really really hard school, hmm. but I went to a school where that stuff just didn't really happen, and especially you know in black culture, like it's it, it wasn't really a thing. Um, but I really enjoyed the later days of school once I kind of met friends who some of them are still friends of now to be fair yeah. um, you know who helped me kind of dis- discover that but it was, it was a very very long process like like you know doing that hmm. how old were you when you come out then this 
question is a hard one because I've kind of done it in stages, really, because yeah. I've had, like, my wrestling coming out, like, to wrestling people when I was about 16. I've had friends I've known, like, from kind of the get-go. You know, I've always said, I've personally known since I was about 11 or 12. Yeah. Well, I knew something was different. Like, you know, I don't want to label it and, you know, be like, okay, I knew I was gay from, like, you know, 10 or 11. But I knew that, essentially, that I didn't fancy girls. Hmm. So the internet, I knew that I was different. Um, and then obviously I met a good friend of mine called Lorenzo, who I'm again, still friends with now. And he kind of showed me kind of this whole new world, like, <laughs> you know, that I didn't know existed, you know, when I was about, you know, 13, 14, 15. That was very integral to obviously what would come. Um, my parents found out a bit later on. I think my mum, I think I was about 19, my dad. But it, it, was, it was within six months of each other. Mm -hmm. I think my dad was first and my mum was second. Um, I think it was that way around. Um, but yeah, we're not until about 19 or 20 or so. So, you know, a bit of a <laughs> difference between all the different people. But, you know, I was really worried about the wrestling one. I really, really worried. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I look back at it now and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why was I worried about it? Like, as you probably can attest, like, you know, you've been at the training school and you've met the people I'm around. Like, there's literally no issue at all. Yeah. But, you know, going back, must have been 15 years ago now. Yeah, it must have been 15 years ago. Yeah. And I was just scared. I just thought, I thought that maybe I'd get, you know, I wouldn't get, you know, I'll get turned away from the training school. Because obviously I started the drop kicks, as we get on to it, like, oh, but I started drop kicks as a trainee, as a member, and then obviously I've ended up kind of own, owning it afterwards. But, you know, I thought that could be the end of it, you know. Um, but everyone was really warm, receptive, um, you know, and I just got on with it. Mm. But there's definitely those issues when I first because I wasn't as confident wasn't as comfortable with it yeah. you know it took, me, it took me a long while to get there to be fair yeah like um it's just the fact that you know if you said you know I'm gay I'm just saying like doesn't change as a person to me like you know you're still the same mm. person like you know uh, it's, it's a bit mind-blowing how people you know just like you know when you soon they say like oh god no I can't be hanging out with you anymore it's just they're like how how can you be that disheartening you know to, you know just because someone... no, I've, I've, I've lost friends because of it though really? you know like you know when oh yeah when I was younger you mm. know like coming you know people who I you know people who I played you know younger than like the members are playing out you know that was the thing you know people used to play out we used to play football and play like you know 40 40 home and you know classic kind of games like that as a kid you know the minute they found out i was gay like that was it and you know i lost a lot of people because of it but then i gained a lot of people because of it too and i gained a lot of kind of life experience and a lot of kind of just enjoyment in general of my life mm. would have been very miserable i think if i hadn't had that experience of coming out you know very early on that's fair enough like it, yeah, it still it still just blows my mind, like you know, but you know, people are just dicks at times. You know? <laughs> no, it's true, it's true, and it goes to show that I think even though we don't talk about fifteen years ago, it, it, it's literally in terms of you know the kind of gay progression, I guess, of gay rights and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's still like years ago, like a lifetime ago to some, because you know, gay marriage and gay adoption and you know all the stuff that's going on in the states and you know in other places, you know. It's still going on, like you know. But it shows that fifteen years ago, it was it was just not. It was a very different place. But once people kind of accepted it, once the first person accepted it, it made it easier to tell the next person, so on and so forth. And now it's got to the point where I'm just like, it's just, it's just who I am, and <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really tell people now. I only they really ask, you know. Um, but um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine, man. Just talk away, like you know. At the end of the day is what you're here for. Um, <laughs> like, 
I'll tell you what, I love a girl gay bar. There's one in London called, uh, is it KU Bar or KU Bar? Um, KU, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my first gay bars I went to, actually. Mate, nicest smelling <laughs> bar I've ever been in. Smells like strawberries. I'm sitting there like, <laughs> you know, I took an ex-girlfriend there on a date and it was great. It was, you know, it's actually a really fun time, you know. Uh, and I got, so, you know, I've noticed there's a lot of, a lot of straight couples or they go on to dates on to gay clubs. I mean, I'm not much of a club guy myself, like, yeah. you know, but... I've noticed that this happens, and I, I think it's good because it, you know, typically because it says it's a gay bar, doesn't mean that it's you know just for gay people. Because surely, like what we want now is just to be integrated and everything to be you know happy days. Really, if it's mm. fun to me, it's fun to you. It doesn't matter that there's different sexual preferences. You know, as far as I'm concerned, with all, all this kind of stuff. But you know, some people. Still shy away from them, don't they? I guess. Yeah. Well, we used to um, like I used to go to open mic night every Tuesday um, a couple of years back, and then what would happen afterwards? Like all the open micers would be like, "Should we go gay night in Romford?" Be like, "Yeah, all right." Then just like ended up at you know this bar called Co Show, where like you know just like everyone was there. You know, you could be gay, straight, lesbian, bi, whatever. Like, it was it was it was like probably one of the more fun nights out to be fair with you. But the problem I had with it is basically obviously where you like you know watch so many movies and you kind of think to yourself the soundtrack in there is going to be great it's going to be like you know Belinda Carlisle Duran Duran just all these 80s things and just playing normal stuff and I'm sitting there like just feels like a normal night more than anything <laughs> you know it doesn't I think yeah, I guess they, I think they do that to make people feel welcome I guess and yeah. because I mean at the end of the day like I've always prided myself that I mean this is something which in my 20s I've discovered like you know obviously I, I, I really like some stuff which would be considered as camp or as really gay or whatever like I love 90s pop music absolutely mm. love it um, you know I cook to listen I cook listen to Spice Girls and Blue and all that kind of stuff and I get that that <laughs> might be to some people a gay taste but then I like football I like wrestling you know like I, I like art I like what well, art can be sometimes a bit but a bit of both I guess but you know I like you know, violence, I like horror movies, I like, you know, all the kind of stuff which is more butch, macho, you know, that kind of stuff, you mm. know. Um, so, I think, in the day with this kind of stuff, just enjoy it for what it is, isn't it? I think like, that's the way forward. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, like, to be fair, you like, being gay is, like, cool now. Like, you know, it really is, like, it's more open <laughs> than what it was in the 90s and the early 2000s, because I remember, like, you know, growing up, Definitely. like, you know, people throwing an insult of, oh, you're so gay, you know, and just, like, and then, like, you yeah, see yeah. that song, oh, I'm not gay, like, it was, you know, now, basically... Drop your gay cards, that was yeah, another one. Yeah, Remember, drop your gay card. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's ridiculous when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it was quite homophobic growing up, you know, around these areas, but, um... But now, now it's really cool because, like, you know, obviously you got like such things as like, you know, you got like Ru- RuPaul, you know, the Drag Race. Yeah, people yeah. love that shit. <laughs> Queer Eye for the Straight Eye. The thing is, what always made me made me laugh though with this is that this stuff has always existed, mm-hmm. but and people love some of the entertainers. Like, come on, I mean, Paul O'Grady with Lily Savage in the eighties and nineties. You know, in an era which which is seen as being like dated and that, and people loved, you know. A lot of people watch Blankety Blank and watch the shows that he did. You know, you know Kenny Everett, like, <laughs> way back when. Mm. Like, you know, he, he was still on mainstream television and radio, you know. So it's, it's kind of odd to think that, you know, it's take, but it's taken this long for it to get to where we are now, where it's yeah. so acceptable. But I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's great progression. Yeah, no, no, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's, you know, mind-blowing. Like you said, Kenny Everett. That just transitions onto Freddie Mercury. Loads of people, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to this day, you, know, you had your, your Eurythmics from the eighties, Annie, Annie Lennox, you know, doing you know 
um, androgyny, you know, back on its um, you know appearance, and Madonna and Kai, you know, mm. so many people did it, like you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, George Michael, <laughs> one of the best-selling artists of all time, you know, obviously he didn't come out until, you know, I guess it was a bit more acceptable, but everyone knew, mm. you know, let's be yeah. real, it? <laughs> no one, knew, no one thought George was was not was not gay. Um, <laughs> These <laughs> are the things like when you look back and watch the videos of him, like you know, rocking the mallet in the earrings, like yeah, it's probably a bit yeah. more, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a bit, bit more, you know, uh, <laughs> a bit more evidence now, but you know, bless him. Maybe rest in peace. I love George Michael, but yeah, I mean, um, everyone knew. Same about him. Do you reckon he died on Christmas Day? No, no. I've always had this theory that I think he died like the day before, mm. or day, yeah, a couple of days before. But didn't could it? Didn't they? Yeah. But I mean, it's like Jay Goody all over James, again. <laughs> didn't James Brown die on Christmas Day as well? It's quite a common death day thing for celebrities. There's a few deaths on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, I know James Brown definitely did. Well, I was there, but <laughs> it got announced <laughs> on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a funny scene, though, wouldn't it? Me just showing up, and James Brown just dying. At me. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah I might like, just turn up here quiet because I just feel like watching you die, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it seems a common death day, sadly. Yeah. Um, Evidently, it's just another yeah. day, though, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's stuff like that which humbles you to it, though. I guess you realise that mm. the day these things still occur, even though. It is for most people, you know, the best time of the year. You know, I love I love Christmas. Especially. Oh, mate, Christmas you know. is the tits. I love it. Yeah, I think this year in particular, like I know, you know, again, I, I don't give a shit about politics in terms of this, but mm. I think it was this year to be very difficult and very different, you know, for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, but you know, I think at the day, like, just enjoy your Christmas this year. Yeah. And like, whatever it, whatever it is, you want if you want to do the three households thing and all meet up, fair enough. You want to be by yourself again, fair enough. But remember Zoom and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm. you know, you want to just be you and your, you and your girlfriend or parents or whatever. Like, do it, but you just enjoy it because this year's proven. <laughs> you know, yeah. You can't take it for granted. It's just one of the things you have to be just grateful of what you really got, really, isn't it? Like, you know, it's you know like you know i'm just happy to be alive still to be fair like you know that's 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 me yeah 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 same same mm. I'm, I'm i'm i think it's in a weird way like i mean obviously i know in a few weeks obviously on facebook and all the socials there'll be a lot of these kind of deprecating posts going about of you know 2020 yeah. what a shit year and you know hated it and it was miserable blah blah but i think like i'm taking like quite a lot kind of out of uh, this you know this year mm-hmm. um, and like a lot of, a lot of good stuff has happened and I'm yeah. proud of it you know so you know I'll be even though yeah it hasn't gone to plan but if it has gone to plan I don't know whether I'll achieve the same things I've achieved so it's you know there's that well like you know so we'll get on to the you know obviously like uh, Dropkicks wrestling like how you got started so how, how did you actually get into like professional wrestling um, is it watching it or involved? With it? Yeah, so like, when when did you think to yourself, "Wow, wow, I want to do that," you know, kind of thing? Um, my um, my best friend at school, uh, Daniel. Yeah. Um, he got me into wrestling. Well, he got, he re really got me into watching wrestling because I kind of had collapsed over the years. Yeah. And my cousin was into it also. Um, and around this kind of time, we got back into watching it, mm-hmm. and then we saw a documentary on Channel Four called Lock Up Your Sons. Oh, yeah. 
And interestingly, it was about backyard wrestling. Because um, obviously, a lot at the start of the millennium, a lot of that weird kind of period, like you know, early 2000s, where you know, the American wrestling had just taken off like yeah. massively, okay. you know, and there were now mega stars, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that as an exaggeration, they were mega stars. It was Stone Cold, it was The Rock, it was Sting, it was Goldberg, it was mm-hmm. Undertaker, it was, you know, all these people, Triple H, all these people. Um, and on the back of that, you had the British scene, which then started, uh, Americans started doing backyarding, and the British scene obviously started copying. But anyway, I watched a documentary, yeah. and as, as part of the documentary, they brought the backyard wrestlers to a training school. Mm-hmm. That training school happened to be drop kicks. Oh wow! And then um, we went in January two thousand and four uh, from South London, both of us uh, on the train to drop kicks. Um, and it was raining. It was miserable. It was it was cold. We didn't know where we were going. I think it was the first time we went to Essex as well. To be fair, yeah, we had to get about three or four trains or whatever. Um, and it was around uh, we <laughs> we didn't know how to tell our parents that we were doing it. And so yeah. we said that we were, <laughs> we said that we were going to the cinema to see a film called The Tuxedo, <laughs> uh, starring Jackie Chan. Um, a film which I have never seen to this day. Like ever. <laughs> it's meant to be shit, so don't worry. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I ain't seen it either. <laughs> um, but anyways, we went to drop kicks and we showed up and uh, the ring was up in the middle of the hall, this was when it, when it was allowed, um, and it was a very busy session. And we did the first session, and I mean the first thing, first bump ever took, and the pain, the <laughs> feeling that pain, um, and then we did a few other little technical things, bits and pieces. Um, we didn't do too much, but this was that's just how it is for wrestling training. Um, but then afterward, we didn't know kind of how to tell parents again. We was like, well, we've been once, and we got obviously away of that with the you know tuxedo. <laughs> we, we, love them. we can't go see it again. <laughs> we can't go see it every week. Um, and then we just, so we, we just forgot about it because we was in year eleven, so it's GCSE year, and you know a lot of other stuff. And there was it was a money element to it to it as well, like you know how did you think? And then again, I'm going to show my age here. There was something called EMA, which uh, yep, was education maintenance allowance. Um, a very odd thing that I've brought in for honestly, like people think I'm making it up because it was only for about a two or three year period, I think, um, in the mid two thousands. Um, some the Labour government brought in at the time. And basically allowed you to get £30 a week just for going to college. So a lot of uh, young people went to college, including myself, who, again, I literally came out of, you know, bugger all, basically, out of uh, school. But I was able to get into college. That's why my cat is trying to hijack. (laughs) 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 Um, I managed to get into college and started in £30 a week. Then, around this time, went to see a house show Mm -hmm. um, at Wembley um, Arena, not saying (laughs) it. and the main event was a six-man tag of Evolution um, against Shawn Michaels, Chris Benoit, and I think Chris Jericho. Benoit was definitely in there because yeah. <laughs> I remember that <laughs> he was definitely in there. So was on. So was uh, you know HBK and that. But anyway, and it just we came out of that show, and we both Daniel and I again um, came out of that show, and we said. Shall we go back to drop gigs? And we came up with this elaborate plan where we'd, you know, we'd tell our parents or whatever, and then we'd go like one week and miss a week and, you know, to make it add up. Then we went back to our first session, and then we just both looked at each other at the end of it and was like, shall we go again? And then that was basically it. That was me kind of <laughs> balls deep as it was um, in the world of wrestling. 
Um, at the age of uh, what, sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, um, yeah, because um, <laughs> I love that story. I remember EMA myself. I didn't get it because my dad earned too much, apparently. And you're sitting there going like, "Oh man!" Like when you saw all these people like leave the class and to go and get their thirty pound a week or whatever, and you say like, "Oh come on!" <laughs> It was mad though. Like, do you think you got thirty pounds literally for showing up? And I, you know, because this is back before. I mean, I mean, I think my college had just it was transferring to kind of electric registers, mm. so it was still. Again, this is going to show at my age, but it was still, you know, ticking a box, mm-hmm. you know, to mark you in. So if you were friends with the teachers or you had mates who were kind of be a bit like, oh, to just like say yeah for me, like you know what I mean? It's like you know, speak under your or something and you know say register like you could literally not go to college yeah. and then uh you know still get the money but it, it was a good little system it worked yeah. it worked for me for this situation like i said i was able to go drop kicks um and you know start you know my my journey really mm. and I'm, I'm gonna say this here like because i think it's important that you know people especially newer trainees listen learn this i didn't take it seriously at first mm-hmm. and it, it took me a while to take it seriously like at first i was just happy to kind of be around it and happy to kind of like you know end up kind of going there seeing my mates kind of thing but i think in every kind of wrestling trainee you need a time or a moment where you it clicks for you and it has to click for you and it's very hard like sometimes you can force the click um and Sometimes only, only temporary. So like obviously, as a promoter booker now, like I can say, mm. oh, you know, whatever book you against against this person, and that for a little moment might go, oh yeah, I want it. But then once the match is done, if that isn't in you to kind of want to do it still, it's gone because you know. And then fair enough, you could keep kind of dangling the carrot each time. But I think it's very important. But mine came about about like six, seven months in. Um, to full time kind of training, mm-hmm. um, so you know around the early early part of two thousand five, um, where other people started getting matches or you know started getting booked in rumbles and stuff, and I wasn't getting anything. Um, and you know John Ritchie who was the owner slash head trainer at the time, kind of said like, well, you know it's up to you. You know you you've got to kind of show me that you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know wrong, I had a lot of kind of physical troubles that put that way in the sense of like I wasn't. I'm, not, I'm still not very good technical wise, but then I discovered my mouth that I could talk, um, and once that kind of happened, and I added kind of that side of it to it, everything else got m- much more easy. But it was John's conversation of like, you know, other people are going to get it. Like, you know, if you, you know, don't want it, then that's fine. But you can be like a referee, or you can be, you know, an MC or whatever. Um, but then once I kind of found that like I was like okay let's go um, and I ended up doing some camps in the spring must have been, it must have been Easter like around Easter or 2005 camp shows most of it refing but being on as well but camp shows was where I really learned like a lot about the show part of you know our show mm. and learning you know that you know, it, you you kind of cut the glitz and glam because that training, like, you know, you got you so used to kind of doing <clears throat> doing the training and like doing like moves at the end and it all kind of being you know safe and welcoming all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong, shows were, but it was still like a very hard day, especially camp shows because we're doing sometimes you do like two a day and you know you're setting the ring up 
taking it down, you know, sitting, going away for a little while, and then coming back, setting the ring up, taking it down. You know, sometimes wrestling two shut two matches on each one, mm-hmm. or refing and wrestling, or refing and emceeing and selling merch, and you know, it really kind of engrossed me into the world. I'm like, okay, this is what it takes now. Once you're on the show, like it, the hard work actually just had just begun. So then it made me appreciate training more because, mm-hmm. like, well, training's actually quite fun then, by comparison, because I show up, you know, I train and I get to see my mate, get to talk, you know, I get to kind of like, you know, practice stuff when I get the chance to practice, but because sh- shows are hard and, you know, that's kind of kept me going for, you know, quite some time after that. Mm. But um, I, 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 I love starting it. Things that, because obviously, you know, we only, we only just booked this in like a couple of days ago or whatever. Like, I was thinking about it quite a lot yesterday, this early, this early, you know, phase, you know, in wrestling. Um, and so many great kind of memories and moments, like, you know, come to come to mind for this time. Mm-hmm. And it, I really kind of am thinking of ways about how I can obviously implement that and teach people, new people, obviously coming in, because I think it's very important. That's what I thought it was important to tell you, like, it didn't click for me at first. And that's normal. And, you know, if anyone coming into the business is new, you know, don't do the oh, you know, my first session didn't work out well, like let's long it off. Or you know, you've got to give it, you know, time. It will, it, it will, it. It's not hundred percent guaranteed that it will come, but mm-hmm. it can just be a bit longer for some people and other people. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed the first kind of start in wrestling. Yeah. I just remember, like you know, uh, when we when we first come, you, you guys were just always like so well, like you know, welcoming and warm. But Thank you. it it was just the the fact of like <laughs> we we looked on Google Maps where it was, and it just said like this random house on Google Maps where the <laughs> academy was, and then like we're sitting there going like, all right, we'll rock up there, see what happens, or whatever. so like you know, obviously we got out uh, where the circus tavern is, great place, great titty bar, um, but. Um, <laughs> Um, like so, then then we started walking around, and then like we go like um, no idea where this is. So we come across like you know obviously this place, and we saw all these old people playing like billiards outside or like you know bowls or whatever. And then we've gone like oh god, you know the evening day, we think we're lost here. So we just went up to them because I, I sent you a message in the day like you know saying oh hey uh, me and my mate are we were interested in coming down. Um, so I I um. So I went, I went up. We went up to him and just went, "Yeah, hi. Um, we're looking for this wrestling school, and I think they do that next door." And then next, you know, we turn around. There was you and Aiden standing there having a conversation, like cause we, we like because uh, Callum went, like, "Oh look, look who's there!" You know, because we obviously we went to like you know a, a, like a show like a couple of days before, I think, in the Brentwood Theatre. Um, Brentwood, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those shows are always fun. <laughs> Yeah, I hope to be able to bring them back next year, hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. cross fingers. But, yeah, you say that, though, we could do a whole, there's a whole kind of montage of kind of this um, couldn't find training. <laughs> couldn't find the location. Even we, on that first day, we followed Mark Hendry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on the basis of, the reason why we found it, is we, you know, again, I told you, it was pissing down with rain, it was cold, it was January, it was 16, like, we'd never been to Essen before. And we... You know, we literally we walked all around the industrial estate, walked up and down everywhere, past the station, and we said, look, this guy, he was in, like, tracksuit bottoms and, like, had a hoodie on or whatever. He was like, look, he looks like he might be going to, like, a fitness thing because, you know, he, he went tracksuit bottoms. And we said, look, we'll follow him until he goes into a house, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Like, if he goes into a the house, then we know, like, like, yeah, he's literally just going home or whatever. Um, and he went to drop, but he went into drop gigs. And I think these little things are important. Like, like I said, like, you know, 
never saw that Channel 4 documentary, that never would have made us prompt to buy the ticket to come in the first place, then it wouldn't have ignited that interest to come. Well, I guess it would have been the interest maybe to go to the house show, but we wouldn't have had that information about drop kicks. Uh, good again, like going back, you know, we printed out, um, remember, was it Minimaps? The yeah. website you used to have to go on, go to Minimaps. Yeah. On our, on our lunch break at the library, having you know, with me and the distracted librarian, who wasn't meant to print stuff, you see, me and the distracted librarian, I'm like, well, Daniel, literally on dial-up, dial-up internet, <laughs> printed out turn by turn and, you know, direction and stuff from Minimap, but we still didn't find it. But yeah. no one can bloody find it, it seems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, I always just remember, like, because we were sitting there just talking to we stood there talking to you guys outside, and then, like, uh, Aiden just had some strong liking towards me, it was that... You're like Seth Rogen. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, you're now known as Seth. I was there like, yeah, all right. Then everyone just called me Seth. Like to this day, like you know, you're I hear from like, <laughs> I hear from uh, what's his name, uh, Nick Har- uh, Nick Harvey Reaper, uh, or Jim Reaper. That was his yeah. name, wasn't it? And uh, he always goes, all right, Seth, how you been? I'm like, yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great to be like, yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't actually make it into a ring once with you guys, but at the same time, it was good to be known that I was officially like you know known by my wrestling name of Seth <laughs> you had a gimmick at least you had a gimmick going for yeah. you needed it <laughs> the gimmick of uh, the prince of pop culture Seth Shearer and he was going to take off mate <laughs> oh, man, I remember this I remember this probably about was it two years now three years yeah it was something like that probably, probably, probably up two isn't it the, the, the reason we, we obviously didn't come back is because we were getting Ubers there all the time because like none of us were like you know, we were too like ignorant to even try and start driving. We still are to this day. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, so we're getting Ubers there and back, and obviously we pay you guys like you know it was eight pounds, but we were just like just, just take ten, you know, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, just it's an extra tip. Thank you very much for like you know giving us this opportunity, kind of thing. And like, so we were getting Ubers there and back, and it was like twenty five pound there and back each. So it was there like we're spending like fifty quid a week uh, just just get in there, you know. It was it was a lot of money, and then like because you looked at like the, the train, and like we'd have to come out of Brentwood to go to like London. London to go back out to Essex just to do that again. So oh, it's just like, so annoying, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's the kind of thing that basically we're just saying like we, we can't really do this anymore. It's, you know, it's too like you know, t- you know, much money really for us. But if we were you know dedicated to the dream, then we should have continued. You know, but yeah, it's a shame. But it's just yeah, if you drove, it would have been, been much easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, but of course. It's one of those but as you know, you know, the doors for drop kicks always open since sort of shows and you know seeing us watching us online all that kind of stuff so it's not like it's the complete end of the journey but yeah. well, like, <laughs> you know it's just we <laughs> what was I going to say like we were still we're still determined to headline uh, what's it called uh, Brentwood Theatre one day so <laughs> <laughs> and they were like yeah. well yeah look I mean hopefully <clears throat> hopefully we get to do something Brentwood next year though yeah uh, I miss doing I miss traditional well I miss traditional anything but traditional shows I think it's just yeah you know it's it's something which I'll hopefully we're able to do next year hmm. you know but this year's obviously written off but hopefully by middle part of next year we can do something proper I guess you know yeah. proper whatever that's all look like you know don't know what it'll look like but hopefully you know we can bring it back hmm. but I've, I've missed them I've yeah. really missed them I, I, like, I remember uh, the first day of training though where you went uh you you got you you took over like you know the the main class and you just went to Ian Ian take these two train them 
and then like Ian's teaching us all like the tricks <laughs> and trades in like you know about two hours. It was really fun, and, you know. I just remember being able to like you know elbow poor Callum like, <laughs> and, like you know, he meant to hit him in the neck, but got got him right on the collarbone, and he was bruised up like for like two weeks. I was there, like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed when friends kind of come and they start together, there's always a kind of like, you know, you want to kind of one-up your mate, don't you? So mm. it's like, you know, if he hits you a bit hard, you want to hit hard back. So it's it's a bit like that. And sometimes, you know, it, it helps you can push you can push each other. And I guess you guys, like I said, you have the Ubers and all that kind of stuff. You had like a lot of kind of st- process before you even got there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think it was good that you came and you gave it a go. And, you know, you was always someone who was fun to like, train the guest and someone to have about and you know you have a, you have a great personality too which you know mm. which helps these things well that's been so you know we uh, I always just remember this one time where um me and Ian uh we're doing promo class and uh basically Ian's like you know just absolutely fascinated by Sam Dufresne's uh tan line and he's like, I need to throw in there, like, you know, he's got a tan, you know, whatever. So it was me and him doing it against Josh James, uh, me and Ian. So basically, he was there going, like, I don't know what to say. Well, his name's Sam. Just ride that with tan. Tan, tan to frame. He was like, that's great. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to use that. I was like, that's great for it. So he's cut one on uh, Sam. I've cut one on uh, Josh James, who's Taboo, his character at the time, who, um, to visualise, basically, a guy. Uh, in a kind of a gold dust jumpsuit, so a big silver lycra jumpsuit. Silver dust, possibly. Yeah, and uh, just silver face paint and a few others. He's very, you know, eccentric. So yeah, and um, <laughs> like my my whole thing was basically just act just stupid as fuck. Like you know, that was my whole thing. I was there, like <laughs> you know, like and just quote pop culture kind of things. I'm just there going like, um, well, you know, at the end of the day, Ian's already taken care of the, you know. T- uh, Tanda frame, whereas you know I've got to take care of the guy who ruined the Fantastic Four franchise for me, the goddamn Silver Surfer. He's at it again. And I, I, it was like probably like one of the funniest like you know things ever. Even Josh James got a kick out of it, but <laughs> he went. No, I was, that was oh, really God. funny actually. I was like, like thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I think some of the some of the funniest stuff we did came out of those promo classes. To be fair, because mm. I think it allowed people to be very free. I think that's what's what's good about those. You know, as much as obviously. But, you know, most people were there for the wrestling and all the fitness aspect of it, whatever it might be. I think the promo classes are where people really explored kind of outside of their comfort zone, I think. Because mm. you can kind of, you know, in a nice possible way, you can kind of say what you want. And kind of, you know, as long as it's funny or rhymes or is in your gimmick or, you know, is uh, in terms of the promo, like it's, it's cool. And I think that's that's what happened. Like, we had a great group of guys from the time you came as well. Like people like uh, Mr. Mr. Success. Um, you know, oh, Neil. he's great! I love that guy. Oh, one of my favourite people that's like ever ever came. Mm. Um, and then we had obviously the three brothers: Nino, Layla, Nino, Leland and Xander, mm. who were just these incredible. I mean, they were they were kid kids then. Obviously, they've now grown up and yeah. you know uh, doing more incredible things. They were obviously at the time they were, I think, what like thirteen. Oh, one, oh, one day about thirteen, I think, when they first started, mm. was doing some incredible things. Uh, Matt as well, and Ted, and you know Ben, and like Sam, and Ian. Ian is like I always ask Ian. The reason I always ask Ian um, is because I think he used to get a bit of a hump that I used to ask Aiden for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And but I always used to ask Aiden because he could always show something a bit cool. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always very when some someone first session, like obviously I we you know, even a test, we always do the basic stuff. 
but then there's always something you want to show someone that's like, something cool so they're, they're seeing on like tv so like they know it's not just gonna be like lockups and you know like technical stuff you know and boring stuff but Aiden would be like oh well i can show them that's like a drop kick or how to like do something kind of a bit more risque and obviously ian you know a big guy a bit, you know i love it into pieces but you know he wasn't that kind of wrestler but then anytime i had bigger bigger guys come um i was always always looked at ian and being like yeah ian you take him yeah. i mean that was you know getting me happy with you happened with Neil. i think neil as well his first couple of sessions and um, worked with ian so you know one of those things and ian he reveled in there i think because it was like yeah he's not sending to aiden for once <laughs> he sent them to me <laughs> <laughs> it made sense when you look at because you know obviously Ian's a powerhouse, Aiden's a high flyer. You know, you're kind of looking yeah, at yeah. think you know you're you're probably thinking, you know, I can send him powerhouse, I can send him high flyer. You know, you, you know that's that's the mind frame of it. So yeah, yeah, really Aiden, the right Aiden was thing. obviously yeah. Look, Aiden was obviously very, he's very good with like kids and stuff, like the younger members as well. So it was like it was cases of like you know, and, uh, it's just knowing. Again, like, because now I'm in a different role. Like I said, we, we touched upon when I, where I started, and obviously, again, I was the train. I was, I was, I was a trainee of the school. Yeah. You know, I came to that system, did shows, you know, emceed and refereed, and did camp shows, and did just a few other bits and pieces. But in terms of like my actual in ring stuff, like it has been camps, drop kicks for the most part. And then, you know, when I first started running drop kicks, well, I first started booking actually. I started booking the cards first of all, um, and have gone through a variety of different ways of how to book a card. Um, but I've set well, the method I've settled on the last couple of years has been what I've kind of stuck with the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously starting running the whole kind of thing of what the training and the shows and getting them all to integrate. Um, and so now, obviously, I know how a lot of people feel when they first book in because I've done it. I was that kid who literally first walked in 2004 and thought that Randy Orton and Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels and Evolution and, you know, you know, Batista, Kurt Angle were the coolest motherfuckers on this planet and that those are the people who I wanted to be like. I was, I thought I'd walk in the drop kicks and I'd, I'd, I'd come out and I'd be doing RKOs and spears and, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't the case. Like, or it was the case, it's like, well, that's not really getting on the show, is it? I can't just do like one RKO, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then you know, and then just hope that's going to get me, you know, booked or whatever. But I've been that person, you know, who, who came first, and so that's why I like to tailor this experience to certain people. And you know, sometimes you get it wrong. When you get it right, like it's really quite rewarding because it, mm-hmm. it gets people hooked and they want to come back and they learn a bit more. And then that kind of expanding on what you know and it growing over weeks, months, years even, um, is the beauty of this game, really. Because I think, while in other sports, such like, you know, football, rugby, or whatever, where if the discipline of, like, you know, you do these steps, you get playtime, but then it kind of stops. Whereas wrestling, it's this ever-changing, ever-evolving kind of thing, you know, because stuff that was in 15 years ago isn't in now. You know, the pace of matches is much different now as, as, than it was 15 years ago. Mm. The length of matches, well, the stuff that's going on in matches, you know, athleticism-wise, and what people are doing, or areas where people are pushing the business to, in terms of whether that's cinematically, whether that's um, in terms of some of the crazy hardcore shit that goes on now. Mm. That Even though it was going on 15 years ago, it's got crazier now, you know. Um but yeah, I've, I've, I've loved it. Like, you know, obviously I've had moments where I haven't, but I always kind of remember like why like I first started. And it was because 
I think professional wrestling is the best thing on the planet, and I still think that. Hmm. Um, and other people have their stuff like football, and going on, I like football, but I like football. I like art. I like film. Well, I like films, but I love wrestling, and you know that's always just been me. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So. Let's go into character development. Like you, you um, most of your career, you've been Mister Fabulous. Was that your first character that you, you know, brought to the scene, or was it? What is there any? No, no, actually. Um, I, I sort of push away at first when I before people knew it, because I was gay. Mm-hmm. I sort of push away from that. So my first ever ever gimmick idea was a gangster. Okay. Um, so you remember GTA San Andreas? Yep. I was in a theme, a gimmick based around that, like that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very popular at the time, so we're popular now to be fair, it's GTA, so um, it doesn't really age. But yeah, it was very like, you know, that. And then I had like another idea for a gimmick, which which I still want to do on a show one day, um, was was a reverend. Um, was, a re- was a reverend gimmick. And I developed quite a lot for it. Mm. The problem was, that it didn't feel genuine when I spoke yeah. or when I did certain things. And then, you know, once I kind of came out and decided, okay, right, let me see what I can, t- you know, um, let me try it, start getting booked to stuff. It was people wanting the gay gimmick. And so I did, fabul- I did fabulous, fabulous Lucas Jackson um, from a long time. <laughs> and then into stuff like Mr. Fabulous um, and stuff like that. But I made a, a decision about two years ago that I wouldn't, do that gimmick anymore and the reason being is that although I think that there were some phenomenal some great you know wrestlers out there that mm-hmm. obviously wrestle a gay a gay gimmick um, and although like I think it's great to have that inclusion I've always now I'm now in the phase of my life where I just want to be I'm just me yeah. and like if people like me I would rather it be people like me more so than just liking it. I'm not saying it's wrong that people do that, but then there is a bit of that where people, it's just a bit like, oh, you got clapped for the gay guy, which, you know, I'd, that's not what I've been a part of. Hmm. And so then I stripped it away from Mr. Fabulous and became first the hardcore warrior um, in the match that you've seen against Vinny. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Those nuts ones at Brentwood. It was, it was uh, just funny because, like, you know, you come out, like, you know, we're expecting, like, you know, you to come out as Mr. Fabulous or whatever. And, like, for some reason, like, you know, the, the Spanish YMCA didn't hit, or YMCA, whatever theme song you were going to come out. And it come out with Muse, uh, Resistance, whatever it's called. And then, like... Uprising. That was the one, Uprising. <laughs> it's from the Resistance album, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> and, like, you just come out with, like, MMA gloves and little shorts. Like, what? <laughs> you didn't say anything about this at training. <laughs> yeah, I just... I just, the last few years have been me just obviously because at the moment my, my role, my predominant role is, is running drop kicks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to run the school, run the shows and the thing. And so obviously, even though I've been a featured act, let's say, you know, for most of this time, like it's still obviously my main focus is still on the other guys and mm-hmm. the other matches and the other things are going on. And so I decided, look, I'm going to have a bit of, oh, a bit of fun, but do some stories. And because I think, you know, stories what got me into wrestling. I've always been a fan of storylines and kind of more of the kind of character side of things anyway. Um, and so when we, when we had the storyline with um, 
for Billy uh, Daniels and myself, like it was something which I felt I could get my teeth into mm-hmm. more so than just oh let me have like a match against someone. But the good thing I, I had the story that I had, and so I had two matches at Brentwood. I think you were about there for both of them, I think, and then the one that happened at Westcliff last year, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> God, it's been a weird year. I think like last summer, um, and yeah, that was obviously probably kind of as, as most kind of hardcore as DK's gone you know over the time but it's, it was it would present something completely different and I think especially at Brentwood there's something about Brentwood and the hardcore matches that just kind of clicked because the crowd was so rowdy and up for them <laughs> I, I've seen you in two in Brentwood so yeah. I remember the first time I ever spoke to you was like it was after the show you still had thumbsack stuck in your back went mate I don't know how you could do that you just you just went like it's blood, it, it hurts mate <laughs> <laughs> That's basically our conversation. <laughs> yeah, everyone. A lot of people said this actually. Like when, um, sometimes. Well, I rarely do batte pass, and again, this is again because I'm, I'm running this stuff. So I'm thinking, while I'm, usually while the guy is doing batte pass, I'm usually in the locker room looking for litter, mm-hmm. and this is a very big problem in a lot of wrestling shows. But the boy, for some reason, they bring stuff. They eat, they drink, they have tape, they have gear, whatever they're doing, and the locker room just becomes, <laughs> it goes everywhere. Mm. So usually during that time, uh, while they're out to the bachelor pass, I'll be like kind of getting bottles and tape off the floor, that kind of stuff, and I'll be um, you know, just starting the kind of pat down of some of the kind of nitty gritty, the smaller stuff, you know, not the ring obviously, but the smaller stuff, I'll be doing that. When I do the battery parts, people ask these questions. I'm always honest like this. So then, you know, people ask, you know, you get you get a lot of these questions, especially from the kids. Like, oh, did it hurt? Did the chair hurt? Yes, oh, it did. <laughs> it did hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you know? What did it feel like? It felt like a school chair in the back of my bloody head. That's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very blunt with it. I mean, I can't oh. help it. I'm sometimes very blunt as a person, but it's just. Definitely afterwards, basically the match has been on last or in the second half of the show. You are going to get those short kind of yeah fuck mm. it hurt I go away <laughs> kind of answers yeah. but um, but yeah so I've been stuck for a long time and look I have a lot of happy memories of that gimmick and you know like on the most part like it was very fun to do like the hardest part the hardest like annoyingly for me the hardest time to do that gimmick um, was kind of on my own turf um, weirdly like we had a show a few years ago um at a pub it's now closed now called the farmhouse uh, it's in El- it was in Eltham in South London mm-hmm. and we used to do it on the bank holidays so it was an outdoor show pub garden kind of yeah. thing um, and obviously I did the gay gimmick and I was a face so meant to be cheered meant to be loved um, but I ended up turning that night like, <laughs> without realising because I came out and I had my gay pride flag the rainbow flag and had, had this kind of stuff and then you know I put the flag kind of in the corner like obviously as I was you know getting ready to wrestle and then a kid ran up to the ring because again this was a pub garden it was pre-covid as well so they don't, <laughs> don't see me it's pre-covid so the kids were running about and the normal thing that the kids were doing back in those days um, and they, he, he grabbed the flag and a woman I think she was she, I, don't know, I don't even know to this day she'd even in the pub but it was that mum voice of Put that flag down. And I was like, "What the hell?" And then anyway, so then she grabbed someone come and grabbed the kid, and the kid's kind of up, you know, I don't know what he's doing, whatever kind of thing. And the flag stopped on the floor at this point. I turn around, and all the kids start booing, 
because they think that either something's with this other kid or whatever, or the mums, you know, the mum, the parents are all kind mm. of saying stuff. And I start getting booed. And so I'm doing one of my, the comeback I used to do was, you know, my, my actual childhood hero, I guess, well, teenage hero, you know, <laughs> was John Cena. And so I used to do John Cena's kind of comeback and stuff. And I'm getting booed doing it. Everything I did, I got booed doing. So it was, then we had like a battle, it was a tag match, and we went over as faces. But even in the match, we changed the finish, so it wasn't me getting the pin because the kids were literally going to kill me. Yeah. And that's what I felt. I felt like, you know, it was so tense in that pub that day. But we did the Battle Royal, and I said, look, just dump me out first. And they dumped me out first, and they got a massive reaction to it. And I remember straight away, I said to John, I'm never doing this, this pub again. Um, you know, I don't think, I didn't, I didn't feel safe or comfortable kind of being around that. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was annoying that it was on my home turf, like, you know, quite, quite close to where I've grown up. But other than that, Essex, I love it. This is why I love Essex, though. It's just such a... Don't, don't give a fuck count it, do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, okay, we, we, we're cheer, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I look, on the, on the most part, though, like, great times with Black and Nick. Absolutely great times. Mm. But I've done some cross, I did some cross-dressing stuff over here. I'm not, not everything I'm interested in. But some cross-dressing stuff. We did a spot where we did a show in, um, underneath the uh, London Bridge Station, mm-hmm. there's the Rowway Arches. There was, there's a nightclub there called The, called the Shunt. Um, we did a show there. And I was a manager on that show, and I wore a suit. And one of the spots that happened is that <laughs> I got up on the apron to do the distraction, and John Ritchie, who I was managing, um, he uh, he ran in to attack his opponent, who dropped toeholds him. But as he dropped toehold, he, he drops down, and he pulls my trousers down, yeah. revealing <laughs> full garter. And, you know, then, like, my shirt, I, you know, so then, then um, John goes to, like, grab me on my shoulder, and my shirt rips, and it's a bra, <laughs> it's the bra and everything else attached to it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, I had some great times doing that. And then we, we made that a regular part of the act, um, you know, and, you know, I pushed it, especially on some of the kind of more, kind of uh, working men's kind of club shows we need to do because you're able to do that stuff you know because you haven't got because you're a working man you know it's, it's the people who in the day like they're there to see a bit of entertainment they're not you know I don't want to use the word snowflake but they're not the kind of people who you know we pay to get a theatre yeah. like we're not going to accept that <laughs> um, but you know I had some great times in the gimmick and not much, I don't want to say never, never say never to it coming back I, I did miss a fabulous in the rumble you know, I thought that was quite fun to do, and I probably will do it. And like, if we did get another chunk of that, it's like a rumble, like a one-off match or something like that. Yeah. But you know, now we're full-on life coaching. <laughs> and, you know, uh, new gimmicks and stuff. So it's it's just yeah, I think it's important like to, to, to adapt and change. Really. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, not be afraid to do so. <laughs> um, you like obviously like with drop kicks, like you've had some absolute great people there, like. I never got to meet him when training because he retired uh, beforehand, but tell us about Jamie, Austin Hyde. Um, I love Jamie. <clears throat> and love everything that he did for us during the time. thing is, with Dropkicks, I do probably... I don't think... Hopefully we're getting the vibe as we're talking that it's as much about the wrestling as it is about us as a group, hmm. as a family, really. And someone like Jamie was the head of our table. Like, he was, like, the guy who, you know, I don't know, you came in at the tail end of him kind of being there. But he was, at one point, he came to every single session I had for a year and a half. 
Wednesday, Sundays, every single show mm. was their first, left last, you know. Like, and he put in so much work to it. I think we kind of, we at Dropkicks found him at a time when he needed us yeah. a lot. Um, you know, Jamie Austin Hyde, he lost a lot of weight uh, before coming, you know, to us. He had, don't want to give too much, but, you know, he had some personal stuff going on. He lost a lot of weight, came to us as at the start of like being the essentially the new him I guess mm. and watching him kind of grow as a person and evolve as a person like was just like amazing and seeing him go from being like you know at first he you know he used to, I remember him he, he was someone as well who like you know again even though he lost the weight he was still the biggest guy on the roster but just an amazing kind of guy and you know he was always always wanting to put people over and you know People spoke a lot about some of the other kind of, you know, you know, more famous kind of big guys in the wrestling. But it's always been the big guys who literally always want to put people over. It's so weird. It's always like the small, bloody, flippy high school kids who are like, no, I'm not losing to him. It's unbelievable. But Jamie always would be like, oh, I'll lose to him. You know, go on and do five minutes. It's like, he never understood fully that he was the attraction that he really was. Um, and some of my favourite Brentwood moments and memories have been with Jamie. Like, we need to cash in. Um, you know, with the briefcase and stuff, that was a Brentwood, one of my favorite moments. He returned in, he returned to face uh, Taylor Essex um, at Brentwood last year or the year before, one of the two. He, he was well. really loved in Brentwood because I remember, like, you know, um, we, we saw him when he was a heel, and then he was like, and then there was that storyline where he was with uh, Tony Nemesis Kemp. Is uh, it Dan Eels? Yeah, Daniel's, Daniel's yeah. probably the Daniel I was talking about, my best friend from school gotcha. as well, um, to, to link it all in. But yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Blacklist. The yeah, stable. that's the one. True. And like he he basically become a face because like he saw like Dan you know use a pipe on someone I can't remember who it was and like he stopped him and then like he you know and then like I think I think like obviously you had a show on the Wrestlemania date so I missed it because I went to Wrestlemania and then uh, and then like the next show he come out to like you know welcome in the jungle welcome to the jungle he would come out in all white and things like that and just giving everyone yeah. high fives and things like that and everyone was loving him and he was proper over and then he lost to Mitch <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was well, that was Jamie's last, well, second to last match now because mm. he he wrestled since then. Against, yeah, against, was, uh, if, if he lost, he had to retire, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, and I was I was gutted to see him go, but I understood that it needed to happen at the same mm. time. You know, I didn't. You know, I, you know, again, I guess like being at this kind of level, what you learn is that everyone at one point is going to leave you, mm-hmm. and whether it's because. You know, they decided that even the very, not a down playoffs, but, you know, we are the lower end. We are kind of like the the, the first rung, so to speak. Yeah, first rung, some better than the bottom. But the first rung, or the first step towards better stuff. But some people decide, okay, actually, you know, again, you yourselves are financial or whatever. But, you know, so actually, even that getting to that first rung is too hard for me. Mm. I can't make it. Or they obviously want to get up to the second, third, fourth, fifth rungs. And so they're going to leave you at one point. Uh, or if it's just not something they want to do anymore. And that's happened with Jamie. He um, didn't want to do it anymore. And there was nothing we could do to talk him around. They're even saying, taking a break, that kind of stuff. He didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. And it was heartbreaking. But, you know, he's... You know, he's... Actually, sorry, he did the ball from Rumble as well, actually. So he's done two appearances since then. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great guy. Jamie, great guy. But then at the time, I had lots of great guys. Like you saying, like that whole team we had on the Wednesday nights that used to come. 
Um, and then people like Vinny, how many people like Vinny as well? Vinny, mm. um, you know, so many people on this time. Tammy. Um, so yeah, so many people at this time. But Jamie definitely was a guy who, when you think of someone who dedicated themselves to this, like he was, he was up there. Mm. Made the um, national news as well. Like literally, he was in papers and things mm. like that because of like how inspirational his story was. Because he lost about like fifteen, twenty odd stone, I think. You know. It was yeah, it was twenty stone. Yeah, it was twenty stone that he lost, and then I think he kind of fluctuated a little bit, like you know, give or take. But he lost more weight since though. Yeah, so he was um, in a music video, really, weren't he? Just looking pretty buff. Yeah, that was funny. He came. I think again, it's after he after he retired. Like he he came. He messaged me and was like, "I got some guys who do a music video at the gym." I was like, okay, sure. Um, and they show up and they just got like KFC and like food and stuff. And, I'm, and like Jamie's in the video, obviously. And I'm just there, obviously, got to open the, I just open the gym basically, um, you know, do the rent for them and shit. And um, I'm just there just like eating fast food at like 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, can't complain about that. But, um, no, yeah, he was a great guy, though, Jamie. I remember, like, you turning around to us and saying, like, no one has picked it up, you know, as quick as Jack Torino. <laughs> does, that, does that still yeah. stand? <laughs> it, no, uh, yeah, it, 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 it still does. It still does. Um, Taylor Essick would come close to that, but Jack Torino, in the sense that he had his first session on... A, we had a seminar from World of Sport, absolute world, like, legend, like, in pre rest anyway, uh, Mal Sanders. And... Trina, that was his first session, and they did like a, a few show and tells and that. And Mal was saying that like, oh, he's like your best one. Is he like your best one here? <laughs> it was like it was his first week, but yeah, he talked to like a duck to water. Really, he started again. He, a lot of people kind of drop kick coming through the shows. It seems. Hmm. So yourself, you know, you kind of did that was your first experience, and so so it was Trina. He thought he thought us around like we did. Could we do. It's a benefit, really, of essentially doing our show all close together, really, because we do like Langdon, Langdon, Bolvin, at the time we had Langdon, Bolvin, Brentwood, um, Westcliff, you know, I think we had like another, probably well, we had Graves Ambulance or whatever. But anyway, the other four all quite close. So you, if you were, if you had the time and the money or whatever, you could obviously follow us around quite easily. And you, you know, hopefully, cross finger and come back next year, you know, because we still got the same venues on the most part, one Bolvin. But, um, yeah, he follows around again, and then then came the training. Mm. But yeah, he's phenomenal like, in terms of where he's gone with it. And the rebellion are, you know, uh, not just on our roster, but kind of everywhere uh, in a lot of promotions. <clears throat> you know, they've won lots, lot, you know, people interested in belts, won a lot of tag belts and stuff, and they're an integral part to it. But Torino's definitely one of those where he really talked to it really fast, and it. Again, going back to what I said when I was talking about my own training, like again, you're going to get your people, people at Torino's. So I like a one in a hundred or even like a thousand trainees or people who will come in, know exactly what they want to do, like they're good at it and they get and they improve. But then obviously other people it takes time. So it's like a case of if you are in a situation where, you know, you start on the same day as another school or our school Torino, like don't take it to heart too much. Like it is just those people they exist. You take it your own at your own pace. But mm. yeah, he's been phenomenal and like you know, again, like when this comes back, I'm sure he will continue to be too. He's a, yeah. phenomenal, and he's a great guy as well. No, great guy. Very, very quiet. <laughs> I remember, like, you know, once uh, being uh, like Aiden took me to a show, I think it was EAW or is it, yeah, Extreme American Wrestling in um, 
And uh, yeah, so like, Aiden and Taylor Essex picked me up, and um, like me and him and Torino just went to the show, and uh, he just wanted me to like you know just get a look at like you know what it's like you know just on the road basically. It was, it was a really fun show to be fair with you, um, and like um, <laughs> Torino is just he's just a really friendly guy deep down, and he like you know <laughs> you know I've, I haven't got like you know when you meet a lot of people. You just don't have bad words to not not a bad word to say about any like any of the well actually any of you guys really but uh, that's all right. <laughs> you know, like it seemed like you know you basically the big ones we had like you know obviously when we were there were obviously it was at the time was you Ian Taylor Jack um, Max was pretty big uh, Max Myers. yeah Max. Yeah, yeah, Max. Yeah, yeah. Max, you know, I said, yeah, Max, the three brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted, who else was it? Ben A. Lott. I'll tell you a funny story, actually, about when we went training. Do you remember um, the, the tag team High Energy, is it? Yeah, Will and Jack. Yeah, we, I think Jack's the ginger one, right? No, Will's ginger one. Will's the ginger one. He went, all right, what I need you to do is, like, you know, kick me here, like, you know, to the stomach, and then I'll catch it, and then we're going to end the guru. I was like, sounds good. Kicked him full pelt. No, well, I'm like, kick that boy straight in the balls. <laughs> and I just felt, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. He went, yeah, maybe not, not so hard next time. <laughs> um, look, we're going... On that kind of subject, going back to my first session with uh, Sir Dan Eels, mm-hmm. um, we did, I think it must have been during free time, but we did, uh, we did basically Hogan's routine. So obviously, you know, punch, block, punch, block, punch, block, then punch, punch, punch. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to, so it gets to, it was me who was blocking them and then doing the punches. And this is before we kind of learned how to punch and, you know, that's how we kind of started things. Mm-hmm. But so we did block one, block two, block three. And I just go, <laughs> give him like a fucking like a maker. <laughs> we never knew how to punch. <laughs> like, he had like a fat lip or whatever. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, sorry. That's, that's um, the yeah, good thing about like, starting with your friend though, because at the end of the day, like, it's only your friend who's going to be mad at you. It's not like someone you don't know is going to be mad at you. I remember uh, we yeah, were yeah. doing fisherman suplexes once, and uh, I got put with Josh James and. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, 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 you know, when it when it comes to him giving you like some critical advice, he doesn't hold back. He will literally just tell you, <laughs> you know. So usually, you know, uh, um, you say, you know, uh, everyone's going, oh, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, because at the end of the day, like he injured himself because everyone, you know, kept trying to redo it, and uh, and like um, in the end, he hurt his shoulder and he was just lying on the <laughs> on the side for a bit. And I remember going like, uh, like I can't remember what his name was. The guy with the chain was it Dante or was it Damien? Ah. Oh. Chain. Yeah, short black hair. He had a chain with his gimmick. Uh, wore a bandana over his face as well. He even did it in like you know the, the the matches we had like in the thing without a ring or anything like that. Quite a bit. It's a bandana. Yeah. Anyway, big guy. No, no, he wasn't big at all. He was. <laughs> yeah. Um. He, he was a really cool guy. I can't remember his name, but um. He just turned around to me and went, "Ah, oh, it's not your fault." And then Ian turned around, "Yeah, it's not your fault." You know, you, it's not your fault. Like, you know, everyone telling me it's not my fault. So I went over after you know we finished this little bit of training because Josh is just down the sidelines, like with some ice on him, just like you know, you know, in pain. And I've gone, "You right, mate? Uh, you okay?" And he went, "Like, you didn't take it properly, yeah. You know, you went, you went to, you went to flip." I was like, oh, "I did," but you know, uh, 
But you know, you know when you're just kind of expecting. No, it's okay. Don't worry about. It. You know, it's fine or whatever. But instead, I kind of just got like you know uh, <laughs> a little bit. You know, just say, like a bit of a telling off. I was like, well, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's done. He's worked on it for the last few years. I guess he got a bit, a bit better, um, but yeah, he never really, he he never really took it nicely, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But mm. I mean, this this is the thing: the character to drop kicks were always, you know, in terms of in ring as well as at training, we had them, and I think around that time period especially because a lot of people wanted to improve that. Again, sorry, how did how did you get these two, Aaron and Beden? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not beaten. I didn't forget those two in this thing, but you know they were regulars as well at the time. We had all we kind of people who, again, like the, the thing. The good thing about wrestling, right, is that it unites people regardless of everything. So regardless of circumstances, you know, sexuality, colour, whatever, you can all kind of leave all that at the door and you walk in and become wrestlers. And so, like I said, you had the young, the youngsters who, you know, again, like some of their stuff they weren't about. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were about. <laughs> you didn't know what they were about. You know, they they all got they somehow again they all got on with us, and we all got on with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, big guys got on with smaller guys, and you know, kids and adults, parents, and everyone just got on because it's, the, the general love was wrestling. Yeah, like and that was the bond between us all being there. Um, and yeah, it's wonderful timeline. I tell you what, like um, I remember as soon as I walked in through the doors, and uh, you know Ginger Will had one look at me, and he just said, "Like we need to do something." <laughs> I, th- I think deep down he wanted to form a Ginger stable, probably me, him, and Ben Alot. But <laughs> yeah, I think he was only Ginger for ages. And the thing is, he, uh, he we wouldn't hear this bit, but he for ages dyed his hair blonde. Hmm. Like for ages, so he had the whole typical kind of long hair, skater kind of look going for ages, yeah. um, and was always with Adam that he'd never go back to being ginger or whatever. But he returned and he was ginger, <laughs> and then he was only ginger for ages. But then the minute Ben came, I don't know, Ben, did Ben start first? Then you, then you, he, you he started before me, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and you, it was like, yeah, he was like. Rubbing his hands almost, um, but it just made him come on. It could have been that, but also he didn't really get on with um, him and Jack. Didn't we see our talents on the tag stuff? Yeah, so I've always been told like when you put someone together in a tag team, they're usually like, yeah. <laughs> oh, the curse of dropkick tag teams, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird because I think because a lot of wrestling, like you know, it's people think of it as solo, isn't it? I think the best tag teams work when both of them want to be tags tag team wrestlers mm. you know but it's so few and far between with some of these people though you know and it is it's, it's hard because it, especially like now because you've got obviously you know Jey Uso's come out well, he's still part of Uso but he's in like a really really good position mm-hmm. in terms of like singles wise where he's having you know main event matching and stuff so it's hard like to you know you're, but look how long that's taken to get there yeah. like, you know um, and he going to go back to being part of the Uso and be fantastic, you know, when it, when it returns. Mm. But the same thing with this stuff, like, a lot of people, again, they're not wanting to wait for that to happen. They kind of go, okay, if I'm if I'm in a tag team, I'm not going to be in the main event, I'm not going to be, like, the, the main guy. But if I come out of the tag team, I can be the main guy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because, you know, you want those tags to stay together, but you can't really force or push people if they don't want it, yeah. <laughs> basically. Because, um, again, like, Pre-COVID times, you know, uh, the scene for wrestling in Essex was booming, mm-hmm. you know, 
and there's here's a case like but if they don't like it now you want to book them or you want to use them at your show like there's so many other shows they can go to who will you know you know give you know obliged to give them that because yeah. um, Essex in particular it's just a hot spot Mm. I think I think it's because like everywhere in London, I guess like London, like it, obviously it's so expensive mm. and it's so competitive for events because it's the capital city, isn't it? Like so much yeah. on there. Like why would they come? Why come to see you when they can go and see, you know, pro comedians and you know music acts and yeah. all that lovely stuff that existed. You know, I think but, what um, it was Essex, like. You know, obviously, in Essex, we, we'd be lucky to actually get a wrestling show. Like, you get, like, IPW in Kent and things like that. But And that was a bit out of the way for us Essex folks. So when you actually had a show in Essex, it meant quite a bit. So you're there, like, we've actually got some wrestling coming out. <laughs> you know, how cool is that? You know? <laughs> so, you know, continue what you're saying anyway. <laughs> but playing that, though, like, obviously, you know, I think it's at the moment they're still deciding what to do at the Brentwood Centre. Hmm. Um that had you had impact, didn't you? Impact or TNA, as it was back then, yeah. back in like two thousand eight, and then obviously NXT UK mm-hmm. um, did that last year, yeah. the year before, last September, last year, yeah, last September, yeah, yeah I went to one of those shows, um, and I think you know they there was obviously an IPW did go to Harlow as well once, and didn't you? And you was going to get a Rev Pro show at one point, but I think it then got postponed. And then obviously COVID happened, so I think like the scene was showing that like it wasn't a get there, but it took time. The main, you know, Dudley obviously for the most part went to London. You know, they went to the O2 and Wembley and stuff. But mm. I, yeah, I think it's it. Main thing with the Essex, though, I think what I'm saying though is because obviously all those kind of all the shows got pushed out basically, and Essex is the most close to London basically, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, rather than Kent, I guess on the other side of it, but um, sorry, perhaps, but. In terms of this part, like you know, Essex was, I think because it's so it's, it's such a family-driven area, county really. Essex, mm. you know, like you got a lot of families who live there, and families are the audience for wrestling, um, and the families who, while they can't afford or don't want to, perhaps go to London and see, take the kids to see, you know, a show, you know, at like the O2 or something, mm. they can come to Brentwood Theatre and get that same kind of experience or, you know, on a lower, le- on a more affordable level. So it's, it works good. But I mean, yeah, so it's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a reminder of why I love doing shows. Though. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah, you said about like the, the, the ta- whole tag team thing. Nobody like, you know, a lot of people want to just be a, like a breakout single star. I'm the reverse of that. I want it to be in a tag team. We had like, you know, uh, <laughs> this whole like funny thing for like, you know, me and Callum wanted to do. We've like, on our PlayStation game, we've, we've always had our characters where our team's called Totally Citrus. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the most ludicrous idea ever. Like, well, Callum's character was called the Lemon. He made him up. I don't really know why. Uh, <laughs> And how it started, but he ended up basically being a like this guy who was who parachuting, and then like his parachute wouldn't open, and his his body slammed into a lemon tree, and then he, he his chromosomes mixed with the lemons, and then he's just a guy who just wears a mask and just all yellow. It's, it's the greatest backstory of any wrestling uh, ever told. It's almost like a superhero backstory, though. Oh, basically, yeah. <laughs> And then it was just me, just as a tag team partner, who was obviously, you know, this character, Seth Sheeran, who was just there, like, you know, probably be the mouthpiece and all that kind of thing. And, like, <laughs> you just probably see me at, like, ringside, just shouting out ridiculous stuff to this, you know, while he's in the ring. Just me going, you will say, like, on the uh, apron, going, like, crane kick, crane kick, 
crane kick. <laughs> it, was a, it was illegal in the karate kick, but you could do it here. I've read, I've read the, I've read the manual and things like that. And then like we we had this other genius idea because we think like the most overused like move in wrestling is the uh, the super kick. Yeah. We wanted to come out with like a uh, what's it? You know how you get like a for sale sign for houses. But yeah, yeah. one of them, but with like a, uh, you know, ban the super kick on, then basically me being like, you know, a mouthy little twat in the ring, you know, just against, just for, you know, for instance, just say Aiden uh, or a Taylor Essex, you know, for this, you know, kind of thing. And me going like, you know, the other day, uh, Mr. Essex, I know that you used the super kick and I know it when you're about to use it and things like that. So don't give me any of that, you know, I know when it's coming. And basically. <laughs> The huh? thing is, you say this, like, the two things you kind of suggested, like, they, they sound crazy, and, like, they sound, like, fun and that, but what kind of weird is that you've kind of got Orange Cassidy now, kind of doing, like, some of that kind of stuff, like, mm-hmm. in the whole kind of, you know, Freshy Squeeze, and, like, he was onto it with the kind of, you know, Total Citrus, like, and then, like, so Drew Gulak, remember, he was doing the whole No Fly Zone mm-hmm. when he was on 205 Live a couple of years ago, so, again, not not just off a super kick, but he was doing the whole, you know, Band of 450, yeah. it's a dangerous move kind of thing. Um, and then it didn't like um, did Charvo Guerrero try to band get the um, Shooter Star Press band like I, about ten years ago? Like, I don't think he did because they, as soon as like he got hit with it, he became a face because he got injured. Okay, uh, maybe not. Maybe I, I, I imagine that one, but I think it's definitely happened a few times since. And uh, you had um, what was his name? The guy in XT, the hippie guy. Oh, oh. Uh, Juice. CJ. CJ Parker. CJ Parker, that was it. Who, you know, he was again. He was doing more the environmental kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. but it's that kind of thing that yeah, it, it, it's been around like before. But I, I love those ideas. To be fair, like man, mm. like I think wrestling needs to be fun. Yeah. Like you know, and I think definitely now, like coming out of the pandemic, you know, like it needs to be fun because people want to they want to be entertained. Yeah. You know, they're entertained. The, the when you think, or, uh, when I think about wrestling. Um, I think of moments before I think of matches. That makes sense. Like, you know, if I think of moments, like, you know, like, if someone goes out stone cold, like, I literally always go to, you know, either usually some, some reconstruction stuff. So whether it's the beer truck, whether it's, you know, tipping cars over and all that kind of stuff, like, that's literally what I'd go to yeah. more so than the whole, you know, again, it is a great match, you know, stone cold and Bret Hart, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, <clears throat> Mania 13 or whatever but I'll always go to moments over matches and so I think that's why it's great you've got like your R-Truths and your Orange Cassidy's and you know like all these people existing to create those moments because that's what I remember you know and that's what mm. I think a lot of people think the same way too not just about the moves and what you do is it it's about how entertaining you can be I guess isn't it? yeah like with that anyway um, I wanted to like basically go like you know ring the bell put all my stuff down the corner Look up and then Aiden just like basically super kicks me and just one, two, three. Yeah, I feel like he just would have been just gold. And then, like, you know, you just see me, like, you know, down for like 20 minutes, like the whole interval of like the, uh, <laughs> like, you know, during the show, for, like, you know, for like, you know, for, like, I can't move. <laughs> I didn't see Cut it coming. The whole wrestling around you, like, roll you into the corner, the rest of the show take place while you're just in the corner, sort of <laughs> Like cat, like you know, getting fanned down, giving ice and things like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, I did that at Hainal last November. Something similar, like after I lost to Jaden, 
um, just took shoes off press. I just stayed in the ring, and I wanted to see how long I could actually last, but I didn't last too long because, well, I said the ring and stuff, wasn't running about over, but I literally stayed there, like, past the back, almost past the backstage pass and stuff, just stayed there, laying there. Um, it's a bit like, with, didn't Ambrose do it last year as well? Like, when he lost the set, so he took on the curb stomp, um, one of his final out of matches, and he just stayed in the ring. Well, they were taking the ropes on the stuff where he was still just staying in the ring. Most likely. <laughs> it was probably his last few matches where he thought, you know, fuck it, I'm going to AEW in a few months. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I love Fanta Hurt, though. I love, I love Fanta Hurt. I wish, wish, I wish the current guys, if they want, you know, I, go, I know they're probably going to watch this for little clips and box pops and stuff, but message to you guys, if you are watching, and I will know this when you message me, I'm saying that you are watching, is come up with fun ideas, please. Like, mm. Don't need to have just like, you know, are we, I want to face this person and I want to face this person. It's like, yeah, I get that. And don't get me wrong, we are going to book matches still, but I want these fun skits and moments and you know, film stuff, you know, again, because people are, what I've learned now as well, about the pandemic era, is because major companies are using this technology now. Mm. way we're doing this, major, like, you watch the news, you know, they've got celebrities going on to Lorraine, you know, not in the studio anymore, they're on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got, you know, you've had WWE make the superstars do promos with self, cell phones, but <laughs> mobile phones, their own phones. Mm. So, it's kind of, in a way, made it acceptable because even if the big guys are doing it, like we can do it. So you know, again, if they are watching this, you know, and I know because I think they, you know, they will message me if they are and they hear this little bit. Fun ideas, not just matches. You know, think of skits, think of stuff you can do both with people and without people. Mm. You know, uh, because I think that's the way forward a lot of this stuff. The social media as well, isn't it? We need this content at the moment, and it, you know, hopefully shows will return. You know, next year. But um, at the moment, like I said, we're doing our we're doing like tapings with limited capacity mm-hmm. slash well just trainees obviously in the crowd and stuff um, and we've got those booked in uh, sorry oh, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah so we've got those booked in um, you know for the next couple of months and stuff mm-hmm. um, but it's not going to be the same as like a traditional kind of thing of course, yeah. but social media obviously we're looking for that we're looking for more content so message the guys now get that to get get get, get thinking I always wanted to do as well. Um, uh, there's two promos I wanted to do. I never got the tr- uh, the chance to do one on uh, on Jack Torino, uh, but I, the one I wanted to do for him is basically just run in and basically say, you know, uh, you know, just say this weekend I'm going to be fighting Steve Carino, ECW legend, <laughs> just for that, just like naming all the things he's done in his career or whatever, and then like basically. Um, Someone has to come over to me and I like, whisper in my ear, I'm not fighting Steve Carino. I'm like, well, I'm not fighting Steve Carino? <laughs> Who am I fighting? Jack, Jack Carino. <laughs> Who's he? <laughs> Whoever you are, I'll see you at the weekend or whatever. But. The thing is, you could do that with, like, I'll be like, we're messing a lot of times, but I'm sure he appreciates his name being mentioned. But yeah. you could be like, I'm facing, say, you know, Taylor Essex. You think he's like Joey Essex, he mm. said. You know, or Taylor the Swift son of David Essex and <laughs> brother of Taylor, of <laughs> Joey, yeah. and just things like that. Like. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's so much you could do with this kind of stuff, and mm. it's fun. Like, and again, like it's fun. It, you know, it, it's five minutes stuff. You know, that people can, you know, that I think they can handle that stuff on a show now. Mm. You know, more so than before. And I think, you know, we're exploring. Obviously, you know, some stuff. Obviously, through demolition, we're exploring obviously talk shows, and we've got some great stuff plans for stuff that will be 
non- wrestling in a non-traditional I don't want to put it too much, but wrestling in a non-traditional way, let's say, and different kind of stipulations, and we're going back to the park for some of the stuff, or some of the matches we haven't done like in ages, because with the era now, where like there's no one in the there's no one in the crowd to, to there's no one in the crowd to bore or to risk pissing off or offending or whatever. Like, so we may as well try new stuff. Like, while we've got that opportunity, and the day if people don't like it, you know. Well, they do a typical thing of watching it and then <laughs> moaning anyway. But like, there's not that. There's not that. It's weird because like doing tapings now, like you're doing them, and then you're waiting still for that ultimate response. You know, stuff we that's coming out this week on YouTube. We've filmed beginning of November, so mm-hmm. you know, we waited four weeks basically to get a response mm-hmm. from the world or from the fans and what they think yeah. and it's really weird wrestling and, and filming it like that because you know what we thought may may have worked or didn't work four weeks ago it might go, go the other way when it when it's shown and it's put together but um, but yeah you know I'm just looking forward to doing some more creative stuff obviously coming oh, yeah. out of this starting now and obviously even when we do get you know proper shows back hmm. and another thing I want to do Bob Ross style promo, just basically there painting and just be talking as <laughs> well at the same time. And just, I think it would be hilarious, but you know, uh, um, <laughs> still got time. You know, like you said, <laughs> the door's always open. Oh, we could have so we could have so much fun with the kind of stuff. Yeah, like because you're you're so tuned into pop culture as well. Yeah, and I guess it's always evolving. Um, don't know. I don't know. A question for you: Like, I'm noticing and thinking and seeing that as time's going on. Like the '90s nostalgia is kind of fading, but the 2000s is kind of seems to be where we're at now. Like people are getting nostalgic about shit, like, and it's getting scary for me because, like, for me, I remember and think of it as like, oh, it wasn't that long ago. Mm. But you know, like, I'm seeing people already talk about you know reunions for shows in the 2000s mm. and you know new series of stuff from like 15 years ago. You're like, is do you see as we're getting through this next decade that like that's become more prevalent? That the '90s is going to be too far gone um, where the 2000s is going to be where you know the people growing up now like that's what they were going to remember as kids in it I think hmm. they're more so the 90s um, which is good, scary yeah it's a really good question like I think like you know it, it only takes one person to put something on Twitter and it will explode uh, <laughs> like just for instance say like you know Think, think of a show that was big back in 2000. Someone could just basically tweet about the OC and it might become yeah. relevant again, you know. Like, at the end of the day, like, the guy, like, the main guy, Ben McKenzie, he's he's huge in Gotham, isn't he? Like, I don't really know, I haven't really watched it myself, but I know that, you know, obviously he was Ryan Atwood in uh, um, in, in the OC. And, like, you know, just, just you know, he's still relevant to this day, like, you know, and it's, it's really cool to actually see that. And, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, you know, the 2000s nostalgia is coming back. <laughs> Going to see everyone wearing like the yeah, flame yeah. shirts and things like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about Will and his skate, his skate a look. Remember that skate a look and the kind of um, early t- 2000s, kind of like when Eminem was like the coolest motherfucker on the planet to a lot of people and mm. you know, everyone with the bleak blonde hair and baggy clothes and stuff. Yeah, it's just, I think because you always consider nostalgia to be old, I guess. Mm. And I guess it is, it's weird because we are 20 years now from the year 2000. Yeah, we got thirty years from the nineties, and stuff. You know, and he had a lot of stuff that overlapped because you think of it as a show like Friends, like it's very much a nineties show, but it ended in the in the in two thousand, two thousand four. Mm. Same with Frasier, Frasier. Um, you know, and then obviously shows that uh, 
shows, shows like Charm and stuff went into the early part of the 2000s. So I guess it's, even though it's 90s-ish, it's still relevant to people obviously in the 2000s, but it's, it's mad though. Like it, To me it's mad because it's just like people get nostalgic about stuff. Like the um, the, the most roller flip phone, the Rays the the are, they've done a new one this year. And it's like people are nostalgic for that, but it's like that was like mid two thousands. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> why are we getting to thing? But I think it's oh, it's just how it works, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, basically, everyone's going to be walking around like a Nintendo DS, basically, just without the buttons on the side. <laughs> uh, uh, brain training, wasn't it? Brain training. Yeah. That was their. Like, that was the thing everyone had. The little Sudoku and stuff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but. Uh... You know, obviously, me and you, we we both share the love for one of the George Lucas's greatest movie ever, right? Yes, yes, um, it is. I think it is the best franchise that he's ever done. Uh, <laughs> a franchise of all one movie. <laughs> well, it's part of a franchise essentially because the characters appeared in the MCU, so yep. he's appeared in the MCU. You know, <laughs> the other days on my arm at the back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> It's how the duck, everyone. It's how, how the, the duck. duck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tell you that movie. I watch it. There's there's a few there's a group of films that I can watch. You know, time of time of time. I'm talking some of these films. I'm watching like two or three times a year. You know, like I have. Don't get me wrong. Like for some films, like you know, for the Rocky franchise, I usually watch them around this time. Actually, so I watch all the Rocky films. You know, for Lord of the Rings, that's usually a summer thing. Um, you know, because we set up like an outdoor <clears throat> screen and stuff, mm. so it's quite nice because it's, 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 a, it's a three and a half hour film. So it's like, okay, you know, if you got a, a few nights in a row of that, like, you know, okay, cool, I'll be in the garden watching that for three and a half hours. <laughs> but, um, you know, How the Duck is a film, one of the first ones I actually remember as well, like, as a kid watching. And it's so annoying when you grow up and then you realize that, like, a lot of people don't like it. And I was like, I love this film. I had it on VHS. I think, you know, we, uh, yeah, I had like t shirts. I had like everything with it. And I watched it every single year, like so many times. Mm-hmm. And then only as an adult, people going, oh, no, that film was shit. Like, but to me, it's such an enjoyable film. Mm. Like, it it doesn't take itself seriously. It's what I love. Yeah. And because especially when you compare it to modern day, like Marvel, and don't get wrong, like, I think MCU to an extent is like, it's very good. But I think back then, the, the directors were just able to be batshit. And this is the Howl of the Dark is literally one of those films. It's, it's fucking amazing. I just, I, just <laughs> love the, I just love the fact that, you know, George Lucas, you know, he was basically the most powerful, like, you know, director at the time, apart from Spielberg. Well, then again, they collaborated together on a lot of things. And, like, you, you could have thought, you know, you could have had any superhero he wanted and made a movie out of it. Yeah. But he went for Howard the Duck, right? And uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you're sitting there going, like, yeah, fair enough. Like, you know, he's probably thinking, I'm going to make a movie about something that no one's ever going to make a movie about. And it was Howard the Duck. And, like, you're sitting there watching The Master of Quack Fu, uh, you know, like, <laughs> beat up a load of people down an alley while Marty McFly's mum is looking smoking hot. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, because you're going to be honest, how it's very eighties that movie as well. Mm. Like without, it's what I love about movies of the eighties, right? Obviously now it's movies are like again like a lot of basically it's if you're not tied down to a franchise or an MCU or you know something like that, like you're kind of doing you're an independent, you know, doing independent films and stuff. And but back then there was like a 
group of people who just made it the 80s. I think mm-hmm. George Lucas obviously been one of them. Like he, you know, he produced or directed a lot of the great films, you know, throughout the era. Um, but yeah, Jennifer Grey, and when I think of the soundtracks of that film too, it's so 80s, and it brings you back to, it's not just about my childhood, and I guess that's probably more important than whether the film is cinematically good. Mm. But I think it is. I, th- I think it's really underrated in, that, in, that, in all accounts. I think, like, in terms of the criticism it gets about the animatronics and stuff, it's a bit like, well, it was the early 80s. Yeah. Like, and I think personally, it, looked, it, it didn't look right in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that was too much CGI. Yeah. And I miss this. Because the thing is, I still, you know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan as well. Like, and as much as I appreciate, obviously, where it's come, but even where it's come, to be fair, like, it's not got that good in terms of, when you compare it to some of the stuff you can watch on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, it's not got that good. But um, I, I love the old campy Doctor Who, like the old the villains where they're made, you can see their costumes are made of cardboard and you can see the sets falling apart. Like I, I, I find that quite charming and quite endearing. Mm. Um, the same thing with Howard the Duck. I find that even though yes, I know he's not real, but I get the feeling that it's more believable than this CGI stuff. Mm. In my opinion, I, I love the fact uh, that basically one day just out of the blue you message me going like, dude. How the Duck <laughs> is a legit movie, ain't it? I'm like, yep, yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> when, when you... I knew you would get it. Yeah. I knew you would get it. Like, I had this, I think you all have it with people where you just know that there'll be some people you can say that to mm-hmm. who they're going to go, they're going to tell you to fuck off, they're going to know it's rubbish or they hadn't seen it because, again, it's it's not a massive film from the 80s. You know what I mean? Of course, it, yeah. it flopped, well, it flopped, didn't that? That's one of the biggest problems I had. It flopped the box office um, and, 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 and critically. So, obviously, it's hard to find the people, but I just knew you. Yeah. I knew you with your <laughs> Disney tats and, you know, doing your Disney covers and stuff, like, on, on her Facebook and doing your um, which character uh, wins... Uh, oh, the old Friday so I, knew you, mm. I knew you would get it. And the minute I said that to you, you did, you did, and I was like, yeah. I knew, I knew you were the person to talk about. Uh, Danny Chapman likes that film as well. Yeah. I introduced that to him years ago. I was like, you got... I, can you get Danny Chapman then? Can you get Danny Chapman to basically have a gimmick where he just looks really lost and when he walks out, he walks out to this bad boy? <laughs> and you just, you just see him look like moping, like looking around the place, just there like, just confused that he's even in like a wrestling ring. I've mentioned a few people for that film, and yeah, it, it, it tends to be the kind of after they watched it, they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, but yeah, Chapman liked it, and um, I know you love it. I, I love it, so yeah, it's it's, it's a phenomenal film. <laughs> Where to form like you know some sort of stable the the, the people who actually like how the duck stable. <laughs> it's so ridiculous like that. <laughs> no. And it, I, I think in some ways it's made better by it not being done again as well. Mm. I think if it had been remade, even in the nineties or the two thousand, when that well, definitely two thousand, like when that when basically the two thousands when two thousand just went basically we're going to basically make everything from about ten to twenty years ago, and we're going to just watch it again basically. Mm. <laughs> but I think yeah, if it been remade, it might be a different conversation. But I think the fact that that film exists just only in that kind of its own timeline his own thing mm-hmm. like it's just beautiful and like he said George Lucas could, he could have done anything 
Like he was, he was like I said, he was the most powerful person on the planet, really, in terms of films. And he could have done any movie that he wanted to at that point and chose Howard. So if George, if he's good enough for George Lucas, um, he's good enough for me. That's what mm. I have to say. Well, apart from Harold the Duck, another great uh, thing I've seen you being like, you know, posting up a lot is uh, Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Scooby Doo, along with um, a lot of Nickelodeon shows, get not that much older. And I mean, mm. it's weird to think now that obviously, you know, iPads and technology and, you know, game consoles and you name it, there's all become other stuff to do. But, you know, I was from the household of. Again, I, I remember getting, I think it was for my ninth, my, my birthday's in December, right? So, I, you know, when I was a kid, I, I'd get like joint presents or you get like a big present to your birth in the small type of Christmas day or vice versa. But anyway, mm-hmm. I remember I didn't get like a TV. I got TV and video combo. Right, that was the dream VHS, combination back in the day. VHS mm-hmm. from, uh, from Woolworths. I remember it. I remember it right. I remember it having like that big toy bag. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm she hid it in that she hid it, and she used that bag. It was used for absolutely everything for about ten years afterwards. That was the kind of family we are. But anyway, like I remember getting that. When I was about nine years old. But before that, I was from a generation of you know having we had one television in the house. It was downstairs, yeah. and it was in a cabinet. And you know we used to run downstairs on Saturday morning to watch cartoons, and it was Scooby it was. It was. I remember the Scooby Doo marathon being on. Mm-hmm. I think it could come on about six six thirty, and for about an hour and a half or something, just Scooby Doo, and then it would go on down. So Scooby Doo literally was always part of my Saturday morning routine. Yeah. And uh, then in lockdown, to the first one, like I revisited all this kind of stuff because I kind of had, had exhausted kind of the more adult shows. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to get this changed in terms of perception. Or you know, I think. End of the day, shows are just shows. Like, yeah, don't be wrong, there are stuff which you wouldn't show a child, like, you know, in terms of TV. But, and there are also stuff which, yes, like, K-Tub is, is made for preschoolers. But I think in terms of some of this stuff, like Scooby-Doo, it's universal. It's, it's a mystery. It's, it, it literally, all it is is a mystery show. Hmm. It's no different from watching the one-hour dramas that come CSI. on Netflix and BBC <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. It happens to be that they are obviously... You know, young bloody hippies. Mm. But what I loved about rewatching it, what I loved about rewatching it, right, was that the amount of adult shit they put in it, like, and they got past the censors, like, way back, you know, in the 60s and 70s and stuff, like, it's unbelievable. Like, but yeah, no, I've always loved Scooby Doo. And I think it's um, something which obviously has, has, has translated very well. I love the films as well. Not so much the second one, but I love I love the first film. Mm. I love because it's kind of like I love any kind of film at a premise of like going to a, a mystery island. I think it's always pretty cool, yeah. like to watch the films. And um, the first Scooby movie does that for me, and it's it's wacky, it's zany, and they get the casting right, which is very rare. But it's very hard to cast a cartoon, I think, mm-hmm. because obviously the cartoon is it's how people it's it's drawings, they're not real. But I think definitely with like Matthew Lillard um, and with Freddie Prince and. Matthew, uh, Matthew Lillard, he, he's great. Literally, like yeah. he does the uh, he does the animated voices as well now for Shaggy because he's just basically yeah, he can say that, yeah, he, he continues his love of it, hmm. and he's I think even up until recently he was, he was campaigning for for another sequel, hmm. but it's probably not going to happen now. Because I think Freddie Prinze and well, Freddie Prinze has retired from acting, I think, um, and I think um, yeah, the others. Yeah, they wouldn't look right. But I think I'll definitely be up for seeing another one. 
don't know if they could play this. I don't know if they could play the gang, but I, I'd love to see. I think you see Matthew Lillard. He wants people make you happy, but he isn't anything. Hmm. There's a few acts like that. Do you know what I mean? Like when you when you find out someone's in something, you're like, oh, you know, I watch that. And Matthew Lillard's one of those people because I know he's so over the top, he's so charismatic, he's so yeah. he, he really goes full in with all these roles, you know, from screen, you know, almost to Scooby Doo and stuff. So I think it, it would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of them, like, I watch, like, a lot of the kind of stuff, and again, like, it's going back to those early mornings, Saturday mornings, and then you had, um, I remember Nickelodeon used to have uh, Watch Your Own Wednesdays, mm-hmm. where you would, again, it's such a mighty thing, but you, you, would, phone, you would phone in, <laughs> to, you know, make you pick, make you put your two programs up against each other, and say, you know, you've got to phone, you know, phone in for this one, and phone for that one, and then you, they, they'd play basically what the viewers picks all day and they, then they merge it into like watch your own week and stuff but then like then I started watching so I, watched, I watched like Sister Sister, Sister again Sabrina um, Alex Sick of Alex Mack oh my god that's such a good show Doug Doug was really like simple it's really simple but what I loved about I think when we was growing up it's like cartoons were very very diverse mm-hmm. and you did have like a cartoon kind of every person every kind of mood like dark like i said he was very, he was very simple he wasn't offensive like if you, want, if you wanted the cruder kind of stuff yeah south park and uh you know simpson stuff you know if and he wasn't he wasn't cool either hmm. you know but it was just a very well-made thing at the time and then like i watched all this stuff again like back in lockdown and it's just you know took me back to that kid you know right you know not right now i said but carefully walking down the stairs and not creaking the floorboards yeah. Um, opening up that the creakiest case in the world, and then turning the TV on using a remote <laughs> that took you know took forever, and then you know having to have the volume on about four or five or whatever, you know sitting right up close to the TV like that, <laughs> and it just brought it brought it right back again. Um, you know, I think that was important for me in lockdown. I'll tell you what, like. Um... Two things I've got to bring up there is like I'll start with Doug. Um, with, with Doug, like I don't I don't know what the deal is there, but basically I remember um, like it used to be on like Nickelodeon uh, first originally, and then yeah, and then obviously it must have got that big that Disney were like, no, it's now ours, and <laughs> just like took over. Yeah, it's, and then... it's pretty, isn't it? And it was it was brand spanking new Doug afterwards, mm. and they got like a new like intro, and it was drawn. I think it was I think it might I don't know I think it might be something to do with the studio. Um, mm. Changing over because remember it changed look and feel afterwards. It became a very much a Disney show afterwards. I think. Yeah. Um, but the original Doug and what I loved and Rock Oh Rock Road Modern Life. Oh my God! And Ben and Stimpy. Those are the ones you, you, you usually had to wait. But again, showing my age. But TV station didn't always used to be twenty four hours. Mm. And Nickelodeon, um, along with a few other channels, um, they used to end transmission at like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and then after that. Um, another channel would start up on the same number. So you'll be watching whatever it was Nickelodeon on, and then it would turn into, I think it was Adult Swim, or it was something, it was something different. Because Cartoon Network had the same thing too, where it would be Cartoon Network, and then we'll turn to TCM, and show like old movies, old yeah. black and white movies. <laughs> so you know, you'd be sat there watching bloody Powerpuff Girls, or, or Ed and Eddie and stuff, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, and coming up next, Casablanca. So like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but Nicola was just saying, but anyway, when it's simply and stuff, you used, used, used to wait until like, you know, past nine o'clock. And this was mm. back when nine o'clock was late. But <laughs> it was like, oh my God. <laughs> Another show which reminds me of um, being a kid. And not that I watched it, but because I knew that the minute you knew the show was on, that your weekend was over. Heartbeat. 
heartbeat. Because it used to come <laughs> yeah. on Sunday evenings at about seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and you knew the minute you heard the most the most happiest song ever to like you know end a weekend. You're like, oh god, no, the weekend's over. You're like, oh jolly, like, and like such characters like Greengrass. Oh, you're hooked. I've never, I don't think I ever watched it go again. I was a kid, now, but it one of those things that it's just in your mind. Like that was the end of the week. That was the sound of the end of the weekend. Yeah, you'd have your Sunday dinner, your Sunday dinner, you know, about three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever. But you might go and play out if it was a summer or if it was not. Essentially, but if it wasn't raining, you would just loud out basically for a few hours, and you'd come back in to maybe have. You know, a small snack or something, or a drink or whatever, and then and then you'd hear, da, 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 and then I knew it was bath time, and that was it. That, that was my weekend done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so true. The, 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 the other thing I was going to bring up, the Scooby Doo live action movies. Now, number one, I quite enjoyed it as a kid. Number two was just diabolical, but. It was yeah, done by all... the guy. It was James Gunn who directed it. The guy who does Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, yeah. and things like that. But the coolest thing about that movie is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Oh, it's banging! It's absolutely banging. That simple and... plan song of "Don't wanna think about you, think about <laughs> me." What tune? Oh, Even no, the first one where they had "Grow Up" by Simple Plan. Another great tune. They're like MXPX doing Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? And then, like, <laughs> obviously, they love Simple Plan that much, they brought them back for the second one, and then they yeah, brought them back for What's New Scooby Doo, the greatest theme song in history. <laughs> yeah, they, I think with Scooby Doo, like, a lot of en- entertainers did like it because even Dudley Marie ended up doing a Scooby Doo thing as well, didn't they? Like, a few years ago. And I think it's one of those where it's just such a beloved show, I guess. And people just want to be part of it somehow. And the Simple Plan definitely milked it because they, like, they did like mm. about four or five songs for it at one point. And we almost did um, what I call uh, I call it Beyonce now. And Beyonce just decided, I'm not going to do like one song for Lion King remake. I'll do the whole fucking thing. Mm. <laughs> if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the whole, the whole shebang. I really enjoyed um, that remake, but I just hated the scene where Simba's running through the desert and just getting back to you know the Pride Lands, and they just got that Beyonce song in the background. Sitting there, going, why? Why was this necessary? <laughs> Literally, because like. Beyonce, because you paid Beyonce to be in a movie, I guess, and you want to make use of it. I, look, I don't know. I don't mind. Oh, this might get us some hate, but I don't actually mind some of Disney remakes. To be fair, I think. Yeah, I think definitely Aladdin, I think, is phenomenal. Like, in terms of, I think they've done that really, really well. Um, I didn't enjoy... Yeah, Aladdin, yeah, I thought. Lion King, I'm 50-50 on. I still think the animation's better. The first one is better. Yeah. Um, I think think Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, they they aced that for uh, Timon and Bumba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's weird, though, because, like, they are essentially in the same positions that... Oh, they've clipped my mind now. The original uh, Come on and Pumba. Hmm. Nathan Lane and... Ah! <laughs> the person. Yeah, the oh, other thing. I'm be kicking myself for it because someone is probably really, really famous. But again, what I'm saying is that Seth Rogen, you know, he's literally at the same position that Nathan Lane was like, you know, 25 years ago. So hmm. it was nice that they did that. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, Lion King, just, it looked very dull though. Mm. which I didn't understand because I felt the Jungle Book they brought a lot of life to it so I just thought with, them, with it being the same kind of team and that they would have just gone we have the sets left we have the sets and the bits and pieces left over like why don't we just 
Maybe reuse that. <laughs> it felt a bit rushed because as soon as you found out John Favreau put that tweet up, like you know, like basically the lion in the little crown, and you're like, okay, sweet, he's going to do a Lion King. It just felt like you know, about like you know, a year later, it was already out. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> wasn't expecting that quick, you know. But yeah, it was quite quick. Yeah. Um, didn't mind Beauty and the Beast, but then I wasn't. That, that one annoyed me. <laughs> Um, like, like, I love the original Beauty and the Beast. So I'm sitting there watching the the live action one, and like Emma Watson's got so much auto tune on her, you can hear in the, in the thing. And, and they changed the story as well. Just that, just leave the story how it is. Literally, well, it's always perfect, isn't it? Yeah. As it was. Didn't need to know about mum's, you know, Belle's mum dying in the Black Death and things like that. You know, it, it was fine the way it is. You know, and like the fact that Chip didn't save them that pissed me off. Yes. Yeah. That was stupid. That was stupid. And they seem to... You know what annoys me most about Disney in the recent years, right? Is the fact that they are... And again, this, this is a nice little bookender for the uh, podcast as well, actually, because we talked about it when we first came on, but the fact that they're so kind of shying away still from showing full kind of representation is really bugging me. Mm. Like, you know, they had the kiss scene in the end of Star Wars where it is a fucking blink and you miss it like you know i had to rewatch it like on sky like to know you know what people were talking about or see screen grabs because and the fact they made it out like this was such a big deal when it's like literally just have a film or a tv show or whatever it might be where two people of the same sex are just a fucking couple mm. like they just don't make it a big deal. Don't flirt around it. Don't film them in the background, you know, through a tree and bloody whatever it might be. Just be like, no, we're literally making a TV show where the characters are the same sex and they fan- they like each other. Yeah. You know, because they've done it with all this stuff. Like, because even with Putin the Beast, you had like the whole is, you know, uh, with the whole Gaston thing. And like, it's like, but... <laughs> They didn't want to commit to it. I'm not like LeFou, sorry, wasn't it? Not, yeah. He fancied it. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, they did the whole is he, is he not? It's like, like if he is, like, why try, why try to make a big deal out of it? Mm. Just accept it now. I think it's, they're very behind with that stuff, I think. And yeah. it's, it's very weird. I don't understand because they, their studio, like, they've shown. Don't get me wrong; they've shown massive aggression with some so many other things. Like definitely, with, when it comes to women and people of colour in films, mm-hmm. just like with this, I don't understand why they're just so reluctant to be a bit like, "Oh, actually, no, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not we're going to show yeah. this you know, in a weird way." It's like but, um, you can tell they're afraid of the backlash, but at the same time, it's like, look, you're the biggest company in the world. Whatever yeah. happens, you can just out, you know, silent than people. Like the, I think the closest we got is um, onward. Have you seen that? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah, with the female with, police um, officer, and she goes, "Yeah, oh my girlfriend, she has a kid," and like you're sitting there, going, yeah. like, "Is that it?" <laughs> and apparently, that one line got banned in like a load of like you know countries, and they're like, "But that, that was harmless, you know." Yeah, that's harmless. They didn't show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, one of the things where like even if okay pre-COVID times, let's be real, like a lot of the Disney films, they are going to make a billion dollars at the box office, right? Mm. So even if 10% of people decide, oh, we're for some reason too homophobic, to except, you know, too, we're too behind the times to want to see a film that is going to feature a same-sex couple, mm. you're still going to make nine hundred million dollars Like, <laughs> even if it's like half, like, which is not going to be that high, let's yeah. be real. If it's half, like, you still make $500 million. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's something which I guess they've got to just not be afraid. I think this is where, obviously, 
you know, this year, like, you know, with the whole, you know, you have the whole Black Lives Matter thing and what Ashley Banjo, had, 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 what, the abuse Ashley Banjo got, you know, in the site, in the, for, B, for his BGT performance. But ITV, you know, did the right thing and were like, well, no, we stand with him because he decided to do a dance that expressed feelings that he felt mm. and, like, it's allowed. And the same thing with the same Sainsbury's app, and Sainsbury's had to say, I don't get how that's it. racist. It's people are like going mental. Yeah, what, what, like is is a, is a black man not allowed to talk about gravy to his daughter? Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, it, it really does. You know, you sit there going like, what? How is that? Like, I literally, I read. Like, I didn't even see the advert first. I literally had to go. I was on Facebook. Like, how people think this is racist? And I looked and watched the advert, thinking, I don't know. <laughs> For years, we've seen many white people. You know. <laughs> round tables and things like that, you know. But oh yeah, just because a black person's around a table, that's racist. Like, hmm. Well, people said it wasn't relatable to them, but it's like there's other adverts that have like vegetables talking, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just is that is that not relatable to you as well? That like, you can't pick and I think people pick and choose, don't they, with this stuff? It seems. But I mean, mm. um, yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where Disney again, they're a big enough company where they they can just go look. Mm. You put a warning, like you know, before uh, Dumbo. If you look on the like Disney Plus, they, they say like, yeah, we, we don't like you know agree with these views anymore or whatever. And if you say like, yeah, but the thing is, you know, they fucking did though seventy years ago. It was yeah, 80, 80 years ago actually, nineteen forty one, wasn't it? Yeah, Dumbo, nineteen forty one was the second film. Second or third Disney film, wasn't it? It is number four. Number four, <laughs> you got the list. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got all my Blu-ray sitting here, Disney all in order, and. Uh, <laughs> One is Snow White, two Pinocchio, three Fantasia. Oh, Dumbo. Pinocchio. That's what I forgot. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was second, or two, second or third. I thought it, I don't know, Pinocchio. But yeah, Dumbo's like, yeah. yeah one of the original. And they, they, they did believe that at the time. But um, it's going to show, though, times change. And, you know, what was once, you know, the norm, now isn't. Um, and again, going on the eight, off 80s films, um, you know, one of my favourite films I've watched from this time of year, coming to Christmas, Training Places. Like, my God, that is racist. Like, <laughs> my God, that is racist as fuck. Like, it's, but it's one of the... You know, Eddie Murphy, you know, again, like, you know, he, he struggles, you know, personally, and you say what you want about him and how many kids he's got and all that kind of stuff, but definitely one of the best comedic actors to ever come out. Great. But 
even put up with the fact that essentially all of his output in the 80s and early 90s was racist like as fuck like he was called you know he was called the n-word okay, really? like nice. you know you know like regularly and he was always kind of given that kind of like oh you're the dumb funny black guy role you know and it's like fair enough he made a lot of money out of it and you know mm. he's phenomenal for it but he, he worked during that time, like when it was hard to do that shit. And then you watch Train, but I love Train Place, don't get me wrong, but you know, Blackface in there. You've seen you know, the team the train, and Dark comes in. <laughs> comes in. <laughs> Mad scene at the end. Um, the whole thing that like, it was, you know, a $1 bet and just so much about it. But it's, it, you know, it's a product of its time, you know, sadly, I guess. It would, that kind of film wouldn't get, wouldn't get made now. Hmm. Um, you know, and. Yeah, man, I just, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I love Eddie Murphy, though. And hopefully, I, I think he was meant to be touring next next year, like back on doing stand-up. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him kind of back with another career renaissance kind of thing. Obviously, Shrek, Shrek obviously, he made a lot of money out of Shrek, and mm. I guess, you know, <laughs> he didn't need to work off that for a little bit. But it'd be nice to kind of see, could he, I think even, aren't they doing another Beverly Hills as well? And another another 48 hours film so you know there is a I, I'm just down for seeing I think we're at that stage now I'm like look he had Shrek he had Dr. Little we had all, had all that kind of stuff give me a fucking proper Eddie Murphy you know laugh out loud this is the funniest shit ever hmm. <laughs> kind of film that Trading Blazers was you know years ago and you know the original 48 hours and coming to America and oh so these are all filmed again, like going back to my childhood, like you know, watched. But again, this was of the era of like you know, you know, too, like now you've got Blu-rays and stuff. But you know, going to Blockbuster or you, you'd have to shoot. You know, it's mad now. Like we got Netflix and you had and Disney Plus yeah. and Sky and all that kind of stuff. You got thousands of films at, at touch of a button, right? But back then it was: Do you want to get coming to America, or do you want to get? like all these other films you know and you had to choose didn't you <laughs> like it, it was it was like that and you know those films once you once you found a film you liked and that you know watch it over and over again yeah you know, yeah <laughs> I just remember because literally it's like you had to put the uh, the, also the VHS in the player rewind it all the way to the start and things like that and that took about two minutes and now it's just there like button button done Oh no, it's, it's it's crazy how easy we have it now, and then yet still people can't find things to watch. It's yeah. weird. You have that same discussion and argument every day, isn't it? Like, what do I watch now? There's so much things where you are like that, aren't you? Really? Just they're like, man, I just want to watch this, but it's not on here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, yeah, like I think we're at the stage now where there's there's too many streaming services, mm. and the content is in too many different places and so I think a lot of people uh, will either go back to physical media um, or a company like Sky need to go back to being like we're going to have everything on it and I guess Sky are kind of getting that because they got like the apps and stuff and the box and stuff but it's like if they were to say if they were to say we charge you this much but it includes us Disney Plus Netflix fucking you know <laughs> Discovery and yeah. you know Prime and all that kind of stuff like I think people will be up there because it's so hard because you don't know what mm. anything's on anymore and then stuff, stuff and the annoying thing is oh like going to lockdown like I'm watching film series when you get things like John Wick so I had a situation where John Wick the first one was on Netflix the second one was no the second one was on Netflix when I watched the first one right the third one was on was on Prime I was like, oh, that's cool now. I've got both those things. 
I watch the first one, give it a couple of days. The second one fucks off Netflix, and then it's nowhere to be found. So now I'm in a situation where I could watch the first one and the third one, like without having to pay, you know, you know mm. prime of those rental things. I'm not gonna fucking do that. Like I'm paying enough, paying per month for all this stuff, <laughs> you know. But you know, it's enigmas, isn't it? Where one film is now missing, and like, you're not. No one's watched trilogy of films and watches one and three. It's, mm. Even though three is fucking banging. Um, I don't think I'm lucky about movies now, actually. Like, as much as, again, the MCU, like, I've got mixed responses to that. I, I do enjoy most of it, me wrong. But it's nice, and like, I love Disney. I see pretty much every Disney film, literally on day of release. Mm-hmm. Um, love it to pieces. But it is nice sometimes to go and see, like, an, an adult film. In the sense, adult, not in that way, but adult in the sense of, you know, in the sense of children fucking <laughs> <laughs> Keanu is fucking killing people or mm. Equalise is another film I fucking love that the first Equalizer film oh it's so good uh, just De- it's just Denzel just deciding like I'm not taking this shit today and you know you go to the cinema and you watch for two hours you're just like yeah that's a film yeah. uh, you know and it's tough because obviously Disney it, it makes money I get why they do it like MC makes money but this whole blurry action stuff like it's you get bored of it after a while and then when you watch a film The Equalizer and realise like you can get that action and or John Wick and which I don't know how Keanu uh, hasn't been I know he's not even British but I think he deserves a knighthood because he's just like a phenomenal human being but his renaissance lately where it's just like I'm going to just do John Wick and like you guys are going to have to just deal with it because it's going to be insane and I can't wait for the next one that he does because each film the action just gets better and better and I'm enjoying that those films coming back because again going back to Training Blazes and the same era of that when you had like, a lot of the action flicks like they were unforgiving they were raw they were brutal the yeah. violence was insane uh, and they obviously got pushed like obviously quite a lot <laughs> you know don't get me wrong but I like that action now as an adult so it's like it's nice to have that as well as the MCU and as well as you know Disney and kind of more the family friendly kind of stuff but it's nice to be an adult sometimes you know yeah put the nail on the head mate <laughs> <laughs> well anyway Lucas thank you very much for coming on today um, it's been a pleasure and uh, I'd love to have you back on again because literally your stories are amazing um, thank you that's all right. <laughs> thank you no, no, I've really enjoyed it and like yeah I hope people got something out of it um, yeah I'd love to talk about uh, more wrestling with you guys so yeah it'd be good to kind of like come back in a second one but yeah check out uh, Digger WD Militia and Weekly on YouTube um, uh, channel I guess you'll put in the description or whatever Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, <laughs> thank you. And I, I'm happy to talk about films as well, and anything yeah. else. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a series of film reviews with Lucas Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, sensor would get one. One the thing is, you can tell when I'm passionate about something because I would literally just start effing oh, yeah. jetting fun. But it should be like, I care that bloody much about these films. Like, this, is, just... this is where you've gone down the wrong thing. Then you should like your new wrestling gimmick. You should be a film critic. <laughs> I could have to be a wrestling critic who'd come out of a clipboard yeah. and like go through matches and be like, at the end be like you got a five yeah. <laughs> to all the faces and have your own website where people like you know uh, review like give it like the matches like out of ten you've got to be like Lucas and the surname's got to be like like a, like a plug on like a play on Meltzer like something like but Lucas Spielberg because <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah. I, love, I love these ideas. They're bad yeah. shit, but I love them. <laughs> it's, where, it's where you got to be these days, right? <laughs> anyway, it's true. Thank you very much for coming on, and it's been great. 
And uh, thank you very much for listening at home. Um, just always remember, my name's Matthew Hasn't Hammond. Who, baby? Do you know what that's worth? Who? Heaven is a place on earth. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>